Hello everyone and welcome to another retro episode of Pure Dead Gaming Afterlife. I am Donny and today I have no Craig. When I told Craig we were doing Final Fantasy VII, boy did he run a mile and said, Donny, you are on your own. Thankfully though, I am not on my own today. I have two great guests with me. Firstly, returning to Afterlife, it is the weebiest weeb in all of weeb time, the Finn Steel. How are you doing? And welcome back. Hello, thank you. I will choose to take that as a compliment. You should. You should take that as a compliment. <laughs> thank you, thank you. It's good to be back. Good, 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 good. How are things? Yeah, good, thank you. Good. I've been uh, good. Yeah, busy, busy boy. You've been you've been very busy on the uh, on Twitch, man. I, I've seen you playing a lot of retro stuff. You've had. Driver, Dark Cloud, uh, Dark Cloud, Parasite Eve. I've seen. Yeah, yeah, you've been busy. Some good stuff. Yeah, playing through Parasite Eve two at the minute, which has been really fun. I think I'm near the end of that now. And Excellent. also making stuff for YouTube. I've been doing like a little retro unboxing kind of stuff. It's just been turning out yes. really well. So, so yeah, yeah, I saw your mystery boxes. Is that just purchase mm. off eBay then, and just try to get lucky? Uh, pretty much. Yeah. So I bought a PS one, which just happened to have a bunch of games with it. Uh, I didn't know. I remember what some of the games were, but not all of them. Although that could be a fun video to make. Um, so I made a couple of videos on that. Uh, last one went live yesterday. And then I've got good. another box waiting for me to open, which I'll do for next week. Nice. So, Excellent. Yeah. <laughs> ah, good. Glad you're busy, man. Yeah, it's fun. <laughs> good. And my second guest today, who's never been with us before, is Daryl from Final Fantasy Union. Daryl, welcome. Hi. How's it going? It is going very, very well, man. How are you? I'm fine, thank you. I'm looking forward good. to this. It's going to be exciting. It's it's been a while since you've discussed this game you were telling us. So um, yeah, uh, since I, since it's been a while since I've played. I mean, I, I talk about it all the time, but yeah, def- definitely, definitely a while <laughs> since I've, I've I've like gone down hardcore and played it. Good, good. <laughs> so for our our listeners that don't know you, Daryl, so tell us about yourself in, in Final Fantasy Union. So yeah, I'm uh, I, I run a channel called Final Fantasy Union, which is dedicated to kind of uh, I guess the preservation and uh, enjoyment of the Final Fantasy franchise. So we have a, a wide variety of content that is the, really there around kind of stoking nostalgia, making people um, kind of reminisce about you know the, the fun they had playing games in the past, all the way up to the modern day. Uh, we try not to have too much opinion in there, so it's it's very much you know just a, a celebration of content across all forms. So we. We do character analysis. We uh, kind of do more list videos where we uh, uh, make people remember some of the good and bad times <laughs> from the franchise. Uh, but we also do uh, really big deep dives into specific games themselves. So we actually yeah. did do a, a quite a long video about the history of Final Fantasy VII and its development. Um, and uh, yeah, we do uh, kind of more long form documentaries as well. We, we, we just did a, an hour and a half video analyzing how um final bosses have changed over the last 30 years in the franchise which was which was an ordeal (laughs) (laughs) good good and you know me me and you we we spoke recently and i'm very jealous of you because you got invited to something pretty special recently um do you want to tell us what that was i did i got to play final fantasy 16 which is which is uh pretty special no bear (laughs) <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah it's uh it's yeah. kind of a once in a lifetime opportunity right i mean i've i've never i've yeah. never had the cho- i've seen I've, I've been to trade shows in the past and i've got to see games before they were released but i've never been able to play a final fantasy game before release which is uh, so this was a this was a pretty pretty cool cool moment for me yeah it goes like so. cool. not not jealous at all <laughs> <laughs> 
good. So yes, I think you'll be excited for the release this summer as we all are. Yeah, I mean, like I, what I played was really cool. Obviously, it's only a small section of the game, so it's I don't sure. know how representative it's going to be of the wider yeah. the wider product. But um, mm-hmm. what I what I played was was really cool, and uh, I liked seeing how they'd incorporated other elements of the franchise into this game. It's obviously going to be very very different from mm-hmm. from previous games, mm-hmm. and um, that's obviously not everyone's cup of tea. But I think yeah. you know if we're if we're being progressive and and uh, I, I want to just enjoy it for what it is. Good, excellent. Well, right, so well, we well here today we're here to talk about Final Fantasy VII. Yeah, and let's get right into it. So, cue music. This is Final Fantasy VII. Released in 1997, Final Fantasy VII was the 7th iteration of the famous JRPG series and the 4th game released to the Western world, where previously only Final Fantasies 1, 4 and 6 released, named 1, 2 and 3. Published by then Squaresoft, Final Fantasy VII was the first of the series to land on PlayStation and not on Nintendo, where the previous 6 games were released. With a then gigantic combined budget of $80 million, Final Fantasy VII tells the story of protagonist Cloud Strife, who joins an eco-terrorism group known as Avalanche to stop evil megacorporation Shinra from destroying the planet. Selling 14 million copies, winning copious amounts of awards, Final Fantasy VII is regarded as one of the greatest video games ever made, spawning three prequel games, two follow-up animated movies, and a full remake splitting into three parts, the first of which released in April 2020. That's it, Dan. We can all finish now. Yeah, that's it. Right, Just like that. That's it, Dan. <laughs> Thanks, guys. <laughs> um, Daryl, I'm going to come to you first. Um, sure. I kind of want to know both of you, sort of, you know, your your experiences with the game. You know, when did you first play it? Kind of, do you remember the launch? And kind of, when did you when did you last play it? So I um, I actually don't remember the launch. Uh, so this is okay. I have a very weird entry point into the franchise. I I was a very big PC gamer when Final Fantasy VII was coming out. I didn't own a PlayStation, and um, so you know it was a you know bit of a, a, a random element for me. Uh, I, some of my friends had PlayStations, and uh, you know after I became aware of Final Fantasy VII later, I then found out that they'd also been playing it, just hadn't really told me. Um, mm-hmm. But I I didn't end up playing Final Fantasy VII until it came out on the PC, and um, I also didn't have a natural route in for that either so my next door neighbor at the time his elder sister was a flight attendant and she used to go over to asia specifically uh, malaysia and she picked up a uh, a bootleg copy of final fantasy 7 on the pc <laughs> uh, and brought that back so that was my first experience playing final fantasy 7 was uh watching my neighbor play it on their pc and uh just kind of thinking like wow this is like completely different from any game i'd seen before because i i'd never played a role-playing game before uh, I was really much more like, you know, first-person shooters, like strategy games like Command and Conquer. Um, that was that was more kind of my speed. Also adventure games like Day of the Tentacle and those kind of things. But role-playing games never even crossed my mind. Um, but yeah, I, I kind of watched over the shoulder 
and, and just kind of got sucked in. And then I was like, can I, can I borrow this? Like once you're kind of done with it. <laughs> but he would only let Good. me one disc at a time. Oh, and yeah. so, so like, um, and there was a really awkward moment. So I remember, this is why like, um, I, I remember parts of seven so vividly because I had, I had so much trauma playing it. So, because I was playing on PC, I, I don't know if you, you guys are PC gamers, but especially like back in like at that period of time, uh, PC games were not very well optimized. I know they're not everyone complains about them these days, but back then, uh, like I had just upgraded the processor in my computer and it caused a hardware conflict that I didn't know about. So whenever I played Final Fantasy VII, even though it ran smoothly, it would crash just at random points. And so I must have played like the opening bombing mission like 20 times before I could actually get through (laughs) to that first save point. Jesus. And then uh, I had to to make a trade-off. Like, do I play the game with slightly worse performance but less crashes or slightly better performance with with more crashes? Um, I went for the the better performance with more crashes and it just kind of snailed my way through. But when I beat disc two, Hojo, right at the end, I didn't have disc three. So I had to, and my next door neighbor was out at the time. Oh no! And it was a real struggle for me to beat that boss as well. And uh, because like and I was, I was trying to like preserve power. I like turned the monitor off because I thought, you know, I don't know when he's going to come back. You know, if I just leave it on there, especially those days, because like um, you had to worry about screensavers, right? You could because the monitors could burn if you just had a still image on there for too yeah, long. Yeah. So I was like, I'll turn the monitor off. My dad turned the PC off, thinking oh, it was no. already off <laughs> to turn it on. So then when I got the disc back, I had to try and beat Hojo again. It took me a while. And then even if I beat him, there's a really long cutscene afterwards and it kept mm-hmm. crashing. I couldn't get to the disc change part. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> so, yeah, I, had, uh, I have very vivid memories of, of Final Fantasy VII. Um, but I haven't actually played it for a while. So I played it um, a couple of times after that. I played it on the PlayStation afterwards with, um, with an, a cheat cartridge, which was really cool. Um, and then after that, I played it on... Uh, think pc again uh like five or six years afterwards but i haven't actually gone back to play it since then wow um so it's probably been maybe like 15 to 20 years since i've since i've last played it but because of i have so many of those memories ingrained in me i don't feel like i need to play it again like, well, I think it two like or three you've played times it that is, much yeah. at once to get bloody crushing exactly. on you. you know, you'd, be, you'd be an expert <laughs> on the first boss and hold you, I guess. <laughs> yeah, two or three times is two, two or three times is enough for me. You know, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm comfortable with that. Good, and Finn. Uh, yeah, so my earliest memory of it was uh, playing it, well, not playing it, but watching it around a friend's house. This friend was sort of like the typical spoiled rich kid. He had you know N64 PlayStation, isn't it? Um, I wasn't playing. He talked about it. Like, this sounds really awesome. It's like, can I play it? No, you wouldn't. You wouldn't get it. You want to play it? No, I want to play it. And within like the first ten minutes, he gave he, like came with this massive spoiler. Like, oh, she dies later. Oh, like, okay. Oh, and thanks I, for I, that. Yeah. At the time, I didn't really think much of it. And then, but like, when I look back at it, I'm like, wow, well, it, well, it did move. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, to be fair, on that, I have to say, like, you know, you spoiler alert, you've already spoiled it, but it's thank God social media didn't exist back then, huh? Can you imagine yeah. the assholes on Twitter in 1997? Oh, Within yeah. five been... minutes, that was spoiled, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I did say he died. But uh, yeah, so that was that. But eventually, I think I got it for Christmas or stuff like that. And uh, yeah, loved it completely. Played through the whole thing. You know, got stuck a whole bunch because I was, you know, a kid. <laughs> I've never played an RPG yeah, yeah. before. Yeah, 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 yeah. 
<laughs> well, you've got your you've got your strategy guide there. You showed me so um, yeah, on his desk. Yeah, you know? I think I later, but like my Planet nice. Seven official strategy Look guide. Look at that. I think it's American. I'm not sure, but yeah, it's called the boss. He's got a strategy guide. He's like how to get the gold, drop a bow, all that stuff, which is pretty cool. I mean, without um, without those back in the day, like. <laughs> Half of this game you couldn't have found because we didn't we didn't have easy access. No. I know we had game facts and people would have had guides eventually, but they yeah. weren't instant. Like like just now, a game releases today and you've got a guide pretty much within a week, yeah. depending on the game. Sometimes at launch, whereas you know without those strategy guides at twenty five pound a pop, whatever they were, you're in trouble. You know. I mean, yeah. yeah. As you say, like nowadays there are there are professional guide producers. Like most kind of yeah, big yeah. publications have people that will get the game before launch. They'll have like proper guides ready yeah, to for go. Yeah, trophy and guides stuff. and things now. Yeah, yeah absolutely. It's, it's, it's insane. Yeah. But I, I remember, yeah. yeah, like um, I don't think I specifically struggled with with seven in terms of like getting through the normal game. Yeah, I didn't do any of the side content. I didn't even know it existed yeah. apart from mm. like you know you see ruby and emerald on the map and you know. Yeah, you, you say like hi, and then you realize that was a mistake. Um, mistake. Yeah. But like eight, like getting through Ultima Sea's castle, no clue. I had to, yeah. I think I downloaded a guide for that, which was like, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, game FAQs. I, pr- I printed it out because, like, you mm-hmm. know, you couldn't, you didn't just have computers as, as easily accessible yeah. as you do now that you could sit next yeah. to you where you're playing. Yeah. So I had to print the whole thing out. I think it was like 20 pages of just. Yeah, on your dot matrix. Yeah, you know? yeah exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. My parents probably weren't you... too happy about that. No, probably not. <laughs> and when did you last play it, Finn? As I played it just a little bit before uh, 7 Remake came out. Come on nice. to refresh my memory. Um, yeah, it's great. It's amazing how uh, like better I was at the game from when I was a kid. I remember when I got I remember the boss, uh, Demon Wall. Um, that was always like the stopping point when I played it as a kid. Like, I always got stuck there for ages. Um, when I played it last time, I beat it in like three turns. It's like, oh, oh this nice. really is now hard. <laughs> I, was just, yeah, yeah. I was just playing yeah. it wrong. Um, <laughs> but uh, it's one of the fun things about it is you can all the different like material combinations you can do and there are some you can just completely become like super overpowered super the game early. is broken uh, yeah absolutely absolutely completely broken <laughs> in, in the most fun possible way yeah well, we um, will come to that we will oh, come yeah. to that <laughs> 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 well here's a question for you then Finn you as the retro guy just now how obviously you played it what's that three years ago almost to the day then hmm. how do you feel in terms of game playing that it stands up Um, I think Turn-based RPGs are still around today, and I think there's a good reason for that. It's because they hold up pretty well. Uh, obviously, we said uh, in certain ways it's pretty broken. You can become overpowered <laughs> pretty easily if you know what you're doing. Um, but there's nothing wrong with that. I think it's you know it's part of the fun. Um, obviously, the graphics aren't super great. If you go back, if you use some modern graphics, even like the pixel, fancy pixel art from Octopath Traveler, you're going to come back to this and think, "What on earth is this? Why does everyone look like a triangle?" Uh, <laughs> Why um, do you have massive wrists? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Why is why is Tifa's boobs just two massive triangles? <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so you might they might uh, turn some people off, but otherwise, gameplay wise, it still completely holds up. And you can yeah. get on PS4 and Xbox and everything else. So. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's it. I mean, I I I played it and, and platinumed it almost two years to the day myself, um, nice. and and just and loved every minute of it. And I you know I remember the launch really well. Because I think back to those times, that was late 90s. So I'm, we'll call it 12, 13 for argument's sake. I vividly remember three games that took, not the world by storm, not not to blow it out of proportion, but certainly took news media um, and sort of publications and advertising and playgrounds that, that, that took it by storm. The three games were Duke Nukem. Everyone spoke about Duke Nukem, probably for all the wrong reasons. 
Grand yeah. Theft Auto London, probably for the wrong reasons, and Final Fantasy VII. Like, I feel as though this game was was so before its time. Like, mm. I don't ever recall seeing so many people speaking about this game that I that personally didn't have a bloody clue what it was. Never heard of Final Fantasy, because it's obviously, you know, I said at the start, you know, 1, 4, and 6 came to Western World, but it was North America, UK, and Europe. We didn't get these games. Yeah. This was completely new to us. Turn-based wasn't new. Final Fantasy was new, unless you knew someone that had imported it for whatever reason. Um, and I feel as though, for me, that this, um, you, you guys maybe agree or not, but I think Final Fantasy VII was the first real console seller. I think people bought this game or bought PlayStations for this game. I don't ever recall people specifically buying a SNES or an N64 purely for one title. I feel as though it was that, it, it was that big. Yeah, I think I'd agree with that. It's, uh, yeah, as you said, we didn't get any of those over here. Um, I remember being very confusing trying to find the first six. Because like it got two and three was doing in English, then it also got six, which is in Japanese, but it's the same as three. I was trying to figure out how it could be like, what? what? Why are the two threes? Why are they the same? I don't get it. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I agree. It's definitely one of those game-changing games. I, I think also when you compare it to those other ones, because yeah, like Duke Nukem was big, obviously yeah, like uh, GTA, uh, and then uh, yeah, other, you know, there's a couple of ones like Metal Gear Solid was a big one. Yeah, um, but like. Final Fantasy was like it. It was like the ultimate nerd game, right? Like yes. it, it's you know it's it's a fantasy game. The other ones were a fantasy, but in like you're blowing stuff up, you're you're running people over with cars, you're shooting guns, like mm-hmm. you know it's more kind of like bro stuff, right? It, yeah. it, it's yeah, kind yeah. of stuff you'd expect, like kind of like the popular kids to be playing. Whereas like Final Fantasy was one of those games where like you just would not have expected the 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 kind of people that it, it ended up appealing to to be that kind of people it would be like you know the, the kind of like the the super popular kids in school playing dungeons of dragons which you know they would they would never do because it's not cool um but with final fantasy 7 it just kind of like everyone had a pass like you know th- for this game everyone could play it you call cool, whatever you know and i think that's kind of what surprised me the most that i'd i'd kind of go around people's houses and like you know they'd have the typical games like pro evo or whatever like iss or and stuff and then you see like final fantasy 7 they're like oh have you played this game and i'm like why are you playing this game <laughs> like mm-hmm. <laughs> yes i have but <laughs> yeah yeah i i think what probably helped as well is the fact that you know like final fantasy 7 is final fantasy but up until then final fantasy games were essentially a fantasy scenario of like you mentioned already though dungeons and dragons whereas Final Fantasy VII is essentially set in what is, I suppose, a real world, a modern day cyberpunk world. It's not a fantasy setting as such. So it probably appealed to more masses because you weren't getting a game that was effectively Dungeons and Dragons tabletop on a computer, on a PC. So it probably appealed to masses that way as well. Yeah, definitely. And it it became somehow socially acceptable. Like it just, the the marketing, it was was everywhere, right? It It was the game. And I think because it was so well received as well it kind of just everything everything aligned at that moment and just kind of yeah it just exploded for for that particular game that particular moment really set the playstation alight and then yeah there's probably a couple of other games that that have had that level of impact on the playstation but there's not very many yeah well i mean that 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 kind of brings on sort of the next question a good question is you you know you mentioned already playstation you know like people maybe don't realize this but 
you know, I said it at the start again, you know, up until this, Final Fantasy games were on the SNES. You know, they, you know, Square or Squaresoft at the time had an exclusive deal with Nintendo. And of course, it all turned to shit round about yeah. the sort of N64 time. And again, I, I probably as myself didn't really appreciate how, how big that was or how important that was, that essentially the game was far too large to put onto to put onto cartridges, or what Nintendo were trying to do was the 34 Double D, the the floppy drives. Yeah, I think yeah. the, the the quote is they needed to put it onto 50 floppies to fit Final Fantasy VII onto and onto the N64, which obviously is just you know ridiculous. So the natural progression came well, PlayStation or maybe the Sega Saturn, obviously, and, and Sony won it. And you know, I I think that that's something that's probably understated and was so important to then escalate PlayStation's popularity. Yeah, I mean they they took a huge risk on on everyone took a huge risk, right? Sony took a huge risk in in backing Square to the hilt yep. with, with it. Uh, yep. Square obviously took a massive risk in in terms of basically like yeah, <laughs> turning their back on the biggest hardware manufacturer in the world and saying like you know w- w- yeah we're kind of gonna do our own thing, you know like yeah. y- you got to think about like how like how kind of egotistical they were to be able to, to be able to do that um because like no one else i think anyone else would have been able to do that and kind of get away with it and the fact that like you know for years it w- it was like a blood war between the two like nintendo flower refused i think the president of nintendo was like you're never ever going to release a game on our consoles ever again kind of thing wow like, wow <laughs> it was it was it was serious like they they weren't allowed to go to each other's offices like they if they they weren't like they didn't speak to each other if they went to the same events like it was it it was like they yeah like a kind of like a godfather situation like you know you've you've done something serious here and we're never gonna forgive you wow <laughs> yeah yeah but no, it turned out okay for them you know it, it turned out okay well, for yeah. them. that's the thing you know i i, I think obviously as time's gone on it's been less important to playstation obviously it was at a time i think now that decision has been I, I think it's been more beneficial to Square Enix as it is now than it is to PlayStation now, but certainly at the time, yeah, massive for Sony. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and, you know, when you, when, obviously we mentioned about this, this, this you know, the, the game getting made and getting made for PlayStation. I think for me, something that was, that was really, really important or something that, that made Final Fantasy VII so successful was, was obviously the team that made it, but the consistency in the team as well. You know, like you, you think about, you know, you had, you know, um, Katase's director who obviously worked on Final Fantasy V, directed Chrono Trigger, directed Final Fantasy VI. You know, Sakaguchi obviously produced it as he did most of them, but, you know, he directed the first five. You know, Nomura was lead artist, designed on Final Fantasy V, designed on Chrono Trigger, Final Fantasy VI. You know, what you had is you had, you had a core team of people that knew each other and trusted each other. I think that's really important that we don't get in games nowadays. And having them sort of... Being consistent and sticking together and, and trusting each other, I think, is, is so invaluable. And I think without that, if something had changed in that cog, I don't think Seven would have been the game it is today. Yeah, no, they had mm. they had like a pretty good uh, good line. Like I think even even you've mentioned obviously those three, but there were other people that were a part of it that had been there since the beginning. Um, yeah. Other people that had obviously joined kind of like part way through, but they had that core Final Fantasy team. Uh, you obviously mentioned Chrono Trigger there, and that was a a huge spanner yeah. in the works around yeah, around yeah, yeah. things, uh, which obviously, like you know, that that's m- one of the main reasons that they ended up leaving Nintendo in a weird way. Um, but yeah, like that that core spine was was incredibly important. But I think also the weird thing about Seven though is that they 
they ended up having to that that spine was very very important because the the size of the team was massive in comparison mm-hmm. to what they had previously done like a typical final fantasy game i think final fantasy 6 had maybe 40 people working on it and then you go to final fantasy 7 where it's i think it was almost 200 yeah. and like they wow. had to and and all those people were brought on board in like three to six months like imagine like onboarding like yeah. 150 people to work on a on a essentially a triple a game that has to mm-hmm. ship in a year like yeah it's insane <laughs> and on a console that you have not been used to working yeah. on either yeah. and yeah. using yeah like with cg technology and stuff that they had no experience with like it's if you think about it by like today's standards and like what they actually did and what they put themselves through it's it's kind of unthinkable massive respect yeah absolutely i mean finn if you if you imagine you know if you've got if you've got a team of people that have been used to just making 2d or or 16-bit games like chrono trigger and suddenly you thrust in a 3d game they weren't used to making that must have been ridiculously hard yeah i can't even imagine it's a complete complete change of pace but they pulled it off they must have you know could share the talent and the skill of the people involved and how not only doing it in the first place but how well they did it knocking it out of the park completely yeah, I mean, obviously, we'll, we'll kind of come to visuals and that later. But one thing I I didn't appreciate, I didn't realize, was is that the the pre-rendered cutscenes they had to actually because again, who who at Square Enix could have made those when you weren't even used to touching anything like that? But yeah. you know, Daryl, you mentioned people they had to bring in. They actually brought in people who worked on Hollywood movies mm-hmm. to make these scenes. So guys that actually worked on Jurassic Park ended up working on rendering scenes for Final Fantasy VII. Like that yeah. again was completely unheard of to go from that to a video game. It's, yeah. you know, it's 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 an off-the-scale level at the time. It, you know, it literally was probably one of the first AAA, what we class as AAA games now. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like, yeah, the, the, the size, the scale, the budgets and everything were just, yeah, out of this world. Um, you mentioned, yeah, like 80 million in terms of, like, the production and marketing. But, yeah, I mean, even spending, like, 40 million on, or 40 to 45 million dollars on a game now is a lot of money. Mm-hmm. But, you know, back in 1996, 97, it was un- unheard of. Like, absolutely yeah, like 100 million of. nowadays. Yeah. yeah, it's ridiculous. Be interesting to see what the Final Fantasy 16 budget is, you what? know, in comparison. <laughs> it's, it, yeah. it's, it's got to be in the over 100 million. Yeah, I had the thought I'd have guessed 150 probably and then plus probably 50 on top for marketing, you'd think, you know. <laughs> yeah. Well, the marketing's it's... free, right? So, well, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's in, it's included somewhere. That's a, yeah. that's a sore subject if you're on the green side, I suppose. <laughs> Start a console war here. <laughs> right, so let's let's talk about the game. Uh, and I kind of want to spend a bit of time talking about the themes of the game because it's something that I, that I think is really, really important. Obviously, it's very important, but certainly that I didn't appreciate when I was younger. Um, so, of course, the story begins. We get this, we mentioned that we get this beautiful CGI scene where... We bring this train, come to the train station, and we're introduced to the first, the two main characters, Cloud and, and Barrett, who obviously the game essentially centers around them, but obviously a, a, a wider a wider team of people as well. Barrett, we learn, is the leader of the eco-terrorism group Avalanche, and we learn that Cloud is a mercenary hired by the group to help blow up the, the energy reactor. And the story kind of quickly, it throws us in really, really, really quickly into telling us that 
here we are. We're here to blow up an energy reactor. <laughs> Bloody hell, you know. Um, there's there's kind of there's there's no airs and grace about it while we're here, um, and we get explained that you know Shinra is kind of this evil corporation that Barrett detests, and they are sucking the life out of the planet. You know, Shinra are, are essentially Shell or BP. You know, <laughs> let's let's <laughs> be honest. <laughs> um, Finn, what you know, like what did what did kind of you think of the start? Um, you know, and. I often feel like maybe maybe Square Square Soft at the time maybe had a crystal ball, you know, because I feel like what that what that is how that resonates today is pretty damn strong. Um, it's it's aged dramatically well in that everything we see happening, albeit exaggerated, but we can resonate now twenty five years later. Yeah, seriously, it's uh, it's one of those stories that's you know it. It's never going away, you know, climate change and all that sort of pollution. It's always going to be a yeah. thing. Uh, and as you say, it's only gone worse and it's like they looked into the future. It's like, yeah, yeah, and it's still, yeah, it still rings true today. You, know, you, know, you can go back and play it today and that plot still you know, makes sense. It still rings true. And and Daryl? Yeah, no, I, th- I think, I mean, the the whole, f- like, intro of the game, I mentioned that I've played it so many times, but, like, it it, it really is, like, uh, it's so fast-paced, even though it's an RPG, right? You, you're kind of thrust into it. You, you don't really yeah. know what's going on. You, you're kind of getting exposition on the run as if, like, you know, you, you're, you're, you're essentially, like, the cloud, right? You, they, they kind of play that game in terms of your, your um, kind of like they did with like, Titus as well in 10. Like, you literally have no idea what's going on in this world. And then as you're, mm-hmm. as you're going through this mission, they're kind of explaining the mission to you. <laughs> Like they didn't give you a brief beforehand. You just got to figure this out as you go through. And then, yeah, everything kind of just keeps getting worse and worse and worse. And then, you know, obviously it's only when you get into the, the under the under the plate when you're, you know, in, in seventh heaven that the kind of things just take a brief, take a pause, and you can kind of take stock of what's actually going on and explore a little bit around that area. But yeah, and, until then, it's it's just like bang, 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 bang. Like so many like things happen uh, just, just constantly get you on that train and it's, it's it's it, it did such a good job of, of making you not want to put it down because you're like, what's going to happen next? Like, wh- yeah. how is this going to go from here? Like, you know, it's just I've got the guard scorpion. All of a sudden, you've got to get through that, and then you've got to get out. This explosion. Oh, now we've got to escape. We've got to you've go got, on the you've train. Got a timer like, yeah, as like, well. Yeah. You know, it's like panic. Yeah. Yeah. It's and like obviously the timer is incredibly generous, generous, but you don't Absolutely. know that at the time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. You don't actually aware of how long have I got here? Because I've been playing the game for half an hour. So do, I, do I have half an hour or not? <laughs> you have plenty of time. Don't worry. Yeah. It, it, you know, it's it's a hundred mile an hour, and you know, you you mentioned seventh heaven there. You know, a, a theme in the game for me, obviously, is a sort of this this greed and, and this capitalism, um, which is something that is close to my heart. And obviously, we learn that the Shinra is this evil organization, and a bit that I, that I that I can't believe, obviously, is 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 a story in this is is the plates is is what Shinra literally has built giant plates over poor people. And all the rich people live a life of luxury above it, and the poor people underneath it are just living in slums. They don't even have, don't even have access to natural light. Their light literally comes from light bulbs, and like that is that's a that's a very powerful message that that Square wrote. Um, and I, I just I find that really really oh, I find it quite abhorrent, but amazing how it was wrote and, and how it was how it was portrayed. I think yeah like when I was younger I never really appreciated it that much mm-hmm. um and like I used to listen to the soundtrack all the time and I never really understood at the time why like you know uh certain tracks were called 
what they were called like i didn't really mm-hmm. understand like you know uh one of them's like you know um the like underneath the rotting pizza right because obviously yeah. the midgar is, is basically a pizza with individual mm-hmm. slices um and yeah like because they never really they kind of touched on it a bit but you never really got to see the upper plate it was always kind of like down the bottom bottom side of the plate and obviously with the yeah. remake they they took some time to, to show you you know what happens yeah. above on on the surface so you get a bit more context around it and you see the disparity between the two but yeah like um back then i never really i never really kind of twigged that much about it uh, in terms mm-hmm. of like that disparity because you don't you don't really see it that much no no and as well i suppose the age that we all were i guess as well a lot of those things certainly went over our heads. Yeah, you'd be, you know, you'd be ig- so ignorant to it yeah yeah of course yeah i mean you know, I I remember the 90s quite well in terms of climate change, because you guys remember this as well. The, the big thing in the 90s was the ozone. I remember the hole in the ozone layer everyone yeah. spoke about. You know, and, and then they banned, what was it, that they were called CFCs, remember? And deodorants. There was this gas yeah. that was killing the oil. I remember all these things. But what I certainly didn't appreciate was that message of of literally the life being sucked out of the planet, which is exactly what is happening today and, and we're all very, very aware of. That striking message certainly went over my head. And playing it two years ago, even though it's the third time I played it, the penny dropped went, oh, yeah, now I get it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah now I get it. It was like it's written today. It's like <laughs> it's all this stuff is still, you know, super relevant now. It's like... As you said, yeah. it's, you know, the planet is basically dying because of, you know, the rich people, you could say, or the, the people in charge, you know, and it's getting blamed on yeah. other things yeah. and other people. It's like, it's like real life. <laughs> exactly. That's what I'm saying. It, it's kind of crystal yeah. ball stuff. Yeah. And what what I always found interesting about the story was, and I'll ask you guys a question as well, is the fact that, so we start off, we've got Cloud, we've got Barrett, and we're told we're blowing up a reactor. All right, okay. And we're blowing up the reactor. Shin, we don't really know who Shinra are. It's just, we're just sort of taking Barrett's words for it. And sure enough, we, we are successful. We blow up a company's reactor. All right. So the question becomes, are we and our avalanche the good guys? Because they are eco-terrorists. Now, we obviously publicly in today, to make it relevant today, you know, we slag off companies that go and throw paint over things and you know and, and people that are destroying car showrooms over the planet and things and we and and they are publicly slagged off for that or, or sticking themselves to roads but here we are controlling avalanche you've just blown up a reactor so at the time the, i suppose the question is are are they good guys or are they bad guys i guess it's all down to perception right yeah, that's a politician's answer, Donald. <laughs> I mean, they kind of sh- again in the remake they kind of showed that a bit more, right? Because the people kind of underneath, even they were kind of a- angry about what had happened because they they knew they were going to get punished essentially for it, mm-hmm. and and the people on the upper side of of Midgar were really annoyed because it was kind of interrupting their way of life, um, which is obviously you know how it is in in our modern day society, right? You know when these things happen, it, it creates inconveniences. Uh, you know, obviously at the moment in the UK, we've got tons of strikes happening, which is, you know, it, it's it's hard to kind of see where you sit because like, you know, like the reasons why some people are striking are, are obviously resonate with some people, but that doesn't resonate with other people. And then obviously it's inc- like um, every like one of the um, strikes coincided with us uh, going to a Distant Worlds concert. So we, we just couldn't go. So, you know, it, obviously that was annoying for us because mm-hmm. we'd spent money and we there was no way we could possibly get there. And but then that, that, that's why it's hard because everyone's always going to look at it from a different angle. 
Um, yeah. But ultimately, like, you know, when, when it comes down to it, you can't, uh, what is it? What's the phrase about something like breaking a few eggs, right? You can't yeah, yeah, do something, mean, yeah. right? you know. You can't pick a cake without breaking a few yeah, eggs. Yeah. Exactly. And like, ultimately, when these movements need to happen, like someone always has to kind of throw that first stone, take that first step. And quite often, like uh, us in the masses, we're, we're not really aware of actually what's happening or how serious things really are because we're shielded from so much but there's other people obviously in the know who who are aware of these things like you know the whistleblowers like edward snowden and uh, like those people that are they're behind this they're behind the curtain they see what's happening and they're not happy about it so they decide mm-hmm. to take some kind of action and yeah. i guess we're we're playing the equivalent of that in this game essentially like those, those people that know a bit more like because most people in the world of uh whatever the, it's called is dubious names but they're completely unaware of what's actually happening. All they see is Shinra has given us this life of luxury, amazing. You know, we're we're on top of the world. Everyone else is living in poverty, essentially. That don't want to kind of buy into this. Don't want to know. Yeah. And you know, but but they're completely unaware of the damage it's all doing because Shinra isn't going to tell them that. Like they and unless you actively <laughs> go and look for it, which is obviously what Barrett had done on his kind of like I'm going to find myself mission um mm. like you, you you wouldn't even know so you wouldn't even have anything to protest against so when these people see what barrett's doing they're like oh my god that guy is such a pain like you know he's yeah. just, i can't get to work today you know there was a reactor blown yeah. up <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah small world stuff you know <laughs> <laughs> yeah what about you i mean you know finn avalanche are they are they good guys or um, it's definitely a grey area. Um, I like to think they're more on the on the side of good. Um, I think a lot like today, you could say uh, things are always spun to make certain people look like the bad guys. Like, oh, look what these people are doing! Look how bad they are! Look how you know how wrong and evil they are! We wouldn't do that. We're the good guys. We we help you guys. They they are yeah, bad and evil. They're trying to stop us from living our life, good and you know, <laughs> know, that sort of you know. The sales kind of happens today as well with like you know big news companies and whatnot. Again, I, th- I think I think the remake as well did a good job of of, of showing that grayness because mm. you know they they blew up a reactor. There's collateral damage, right? You actually yep. see how much destruction there is. Like people people die, like people die that they didn't intend to die, and and Barrett kind of struggles to deal with that a little bit because like obviously he's got his mission and he basically has to convince himself that some people are gonna dial on the way you know it's just it's yeah it's collateral damage you know they just get caught in the crosshairs you know that's just got what's gonna happen to to, yeah. to achieve their goal but that's when it gets dubious right like are they mm-hmm. they're they're you could argue they're they're basically the same in, in some yep. in some regards mm-hmm. yeah yeah the, the 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 dubai is definitely there oh, okay with 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 hindsight and the way the story goes, obviously we then know that that, that they are on the side of good and, and where their where their mission takes them. But that's that's great in 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 hindsight, and that doesn't answer the question if you're one of the people, like you said, living in the slums or living above the plate, whatever it may be, who have now been inconvenienced, like you say, from from their actions. That to to other people, their actions seem selfish. You know, to 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 all of us with hindsight, understanding why they're doing it, it's totally behind them. But you're right, you know, if, if, if you're someone who's now cannot get to work or they've got no power or someone died with their actions, absolutely. Um, they are they are the bad guys and they are the evil eco-tetherists as it is, you know. Um, 
but yeah, with 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 hindsight and all that, I guess we can we can look at it from our ivory towers, can't we? <laughs> exactly. I mean, like you know, the whole thing about the story with like the conflict with Wu Tai as well, right? So yeah, Shinra have done a fantastic job of convincing the world or their populace that Wu Tai are evil; they're the enemies. But all Wu Tai were doing was basically trying to stop themselves from being strong armed. They were yep, just defending, defending themselves. themselves, and they got made into like the villains of the world for doing so. Yep. Yeah, yeah. That, that's the thing. I mean, there's, 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 there, there's a few instances of that, obviously, throughout the game. You, you know, you've mentioned it, Wu Tai, and obviously, listen, we're, we're kind of jumping ahead, but it's fine. We'll, we'll talk about it now. You know, obviously, <laughs> like you said, you know, Shinra obviously basically strong armed Wu Tai. Wu Tai became a, a tourist attraction. It became a joke, which obviously then becomes uh, Yuffie's Yuffie's uh, motivations, and as well, but Nibelheim as well basically becomes a a theater. Yeah, you know, after and, you know, and after calm the, too. Yeah, and calm as well. You know, that's 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 what Shinra do, and not only that, but the, the the worst of it. On top of all that, for me, one of the most vulgar scenes in the entire game, and, and probably in all of video games, is the dropping of the plate. Mm-hmm. You know that that is still an awful, awful part of the game. Literally willing to murder your own citizens and drop a plate on them, which is exactly what happens. I mean, that is re- still really hard to watch, regardless being a video game or not. And it's such a striking scene. And again, Shinra used that because they blame it on Avalanche. It was they did this. They yeah. caused that. And like you said, Finn, you know, the, you know, the, the media and whether you're left wing, whether you're right wing, and how the media use information. You know, Shinra used their own power and influence to convince everyone that that was Avalanche's doing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, so yeah, it's um, it, it's crazy. You know, like how how powerful this this the uh, the Shinra Corporation yeah. is, and um, and even the ones that knew it wasn't Avalanche were still angry with Avalanche because it ultimately it happened because of them, because of their actions. Yeah, yeah, like it was a retaliation to them. So like Avalanche basically lost on all sides when that happened. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and then obviously they lost lost Sector Seven in their home base. As it was anyway, you know. Um, yeah, just, it's, you have to commend the writing of this. You know, everything, all those things we've just mentioned, you, know, you have to kind of commend the writing there for, for kind of coming up with these these stories and in, in, in these angles. Um, you know, fair play, all these years later, how relevant all those little points are that kind of connect the dots. Like you said, all, all the back stuff, mm. all the towns, all the cities that have been affected by Shinra that are just, playing the good guys you know playing the, they, on this facade they they took it to like extremes but it, it never became comical either it was like extremes but serious yeah. uh, and like you know I, I think um calm is is one that uh that, that got missed by a lot of people because it wasn't really evidence in evident in the, in the original game um but they talked about it in before crisis um but if you talk to everyone in calm in the original game they're basically all actors because yeah. yeah, Shinra Shinra accidentally destroyed the t- accidentally destroyed the town, <laughs> yeah. and uh, they just rebuilt it as if nothing ever happened. I'm super curious how they're going to deal with that in Rebirth. Um, yeah, because I didn't. I like I. I it, when you play in the original game, if you didn't have the context of what happened, you'd have no idea. You, you don't know no. why everyone's kind of talking in a bit of a strange way. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're basically robots, aren't they? You know. Yeah, they're just like, oh yeah, no, I've always lived here. What are you talking about? Like, <laughs> yeah, I do. <laughs> <laughs> I still think that's one of the weirdest things when Cloud goes back to his his town and he's like, "Oh, it's my house." No, it's not. Yeah. This is my house. I've always yeah. lived here. 
Like, are you sure about that? Like, I'm pretty sure I li- I've lived here. And it's like, no, 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 you, you must be mistaken. Like, imagine if you went home to like where you where you grew up and you'd be like, oh no, 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 I've, I've been, I've been here for 40 years. So what are you talking about? Like, <laughs> you know, Cloud's mental state is bad enough yeah. without being gaslit by some <laughs> fucking my actor, mom? you know? You don't have a mom. What are you talking about? Like, <laughs> What's a mom? <laughs> but yeah, I, I love that kind of thing. I love the mystery behind it. I remember being confused back then. But looking back, it's like, oh, that's kind of cool, actually. I kind of like the idea of this weird mystery that's never properly mm-hmm. sold until later. It's yeah. so confusing because, cool. yeah, like as you said, going back to play it now and like with all the context, it's like, you know, you can piece things together much easier. But I remember, yeah, playing through it. and you, you, A lot of stuff just kind of just goes over your head. You're yeah. just playing yeah. it because it's a cool game and yeah. cool stuff's happening. And then a lot of it doesn't make any sense, but yeah. it's funny the way <laughs> I'm like... Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, a, a lot, a lot of it goes completely over your head, and you're like, "What?" Well, we also had the problems as well oh. with our localization because, um, like, the whole yeah. thing about the distinction between Genova and Sephiroth was completely not clear within mm. the the English version, whereas in the Japanese version, it was much clearer who was who yeah. was what and when. For us, like you know, we just assumed it was Sephiroth the whole time. You know, mm-hmm. yeah. why not? Genova just yep. randomly appears. Okay. Makes sense. It's a fancy game. Who knows what's going on, right? <laughs> he just throws a tentacle. There you go. There's a huge monster now. He's appeared. Yeah. Fine. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's yeah. It's, it's, it's funny, obviously, just briefly there, I mean, you mentioned about translations. It has always amazed me that the Aerith, Aerith translation always got. How did that get through? Uh, I know. You know like, um, it's, not, it's not as if Square Enix didn't have, a, have an office in L.A., you know, it's just it's it's baffling how that managed to escape I, everyone. I, yes. I, I, I still, I mean, there's so many instances of it, even even now, right? I mean, Tidus Tidus is another one that they yeah. just completely got wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's Tidus, by the way. I'm just saying. It, it, uh, yeah, I mean, to, to, to all like, I mean, even within the English language, is how it should be technically said. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But the reason why it's not is because Square had an American, uh, I think it was an American uh, person they had used in Japan for voiceover work, and they just asked him like, "How do you, how do you say that?" And he said, "Oh, it's t- I'd say Tidus." And they were like, "Okay, that'll sure, do. yeah, that'll do." <laughs> that was, uh, you know, like, <laughs> but I think they showed him the Japanese version. Like, it must have shown him the Japanese version, and he was been like, "Because in Japanese, it's Tida makes sense, right?" Um, mm-hmm. But like, and if they'd have called him Tida, I probably would have been okay with it. Mm-hmm. But they didn't. They changed it. They changed his yeah. name. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. To be fair, she'll, she'll always be Aerith. That's that's how Aerith. it is. Yeah. I mean, that's when you it. understand the context behind it, it makes sense. But yeah, like the localization, uh, especially like six, is is rife with it, right? Where they just kind of guessed. Like they they didn't know they they didn't talk to the Japanese team. Most of the localization uh, people, they, they didn't have access to them at all. So they just had to guess. And then we ended up with what we ended up with. <laughs> yeah, I'm being very confused. Like, I saw people when the internet became more of a, a thing. People talking about Aerith. I mean, like, who the hell's Aerith? You mean Ares? That's not a name. You idiots. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I'm, I was, I'm the wrong one. Okay. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's like, like, this guy are sick. And things like that, little things like that. And. You know, it is funny though funny. because <laughs> like, I think I think most people are are you know on Team Aerith now, right? There's very few people mm-hmm. that are clinging to Aerith. 
but yeah. you know not to 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 um take this off rails but like titus and titus is never going to go away it's just no. never going to go they can do whatever they want but i think there's 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 at least half of the people in in the english-speaking world who are just like i'm never going to say titus ever yeah. On principle alone, <laughs> never, never. And if we ever get that 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 remake, we'll we'll, we'll see what they do there. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think that, uh, I played through um, Legend of Dragoon recently on like the original on PS One. Don't mention mm-hmm. that; it's god awful. It's hilarious. Like, like one of the move names, right? yeah, one of the move names in the menu is just completely wrong. Like the character says it out loud, like kind of it's like spinning hammer or something. But in the menu, it's just something completely different, which that even makes sense as a move name. It's like, <laughs> I can't remember what it is now, but it's something completely different. It's like, how did it mess us up? It literally says the name of the move. <laughs> and <laughs> and still got it wrong. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Nice. You got to love that. Yeah. <laughs> the good old days. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, obviously, I, w- I want to kind of move on to the sort of the art style and visuals. And obviously, we kind of briefly spoke, you know, Finn about, obviously I asked you about how you think it stands up. You know, and, We've already kind of mentioned that it was the first Final Fantasy game to move into into 3D, and we suddenly now got these polygon characters as opposed to as opposed to sort of 2D or, or 16-bit characters. And one of the bits that I, I still believe stands up, granted, the character models don't. Obviously, they, they look a bit odd, especially with the big Popeye forearms. That doesn't <laughs> look great. We we all know that. But for me, where it still works, and Finn, you know, you'd be able to sort of comment further on this, is I still think the pre-rendered backgrounds are still stunning. Okay. And they still look great. And and for me, that's where the game has still aged quite well because of that. Like, I think about some of the backgrounds in, in the slums, in Wutai, um, the wall market, for example, which is still fucking beautiful. You cannot tell me looking at a wall market now that it's not a beautiful looking area with that, that pre-rendered background. And then, like I said, your little, your little forearm dude running around <laughs> in it, you know, but I still think that, I still think it's a beautiful game. Um, and, and, and to be fair, what a change from going from 2D to 3D, obviously, with moving on to PlayStation, like we said. Uh, yeah, I agree. I was talking to my uh, friend about this uh, a while ago, actually, about all PS1 games with uh, the pre rendered backgrounds. The kind of thing you just don't get anymore. You know, it's kind of one, mm-hmm. one of those things I kind of missed from the, the good old days. Um, yeah, it's not absolutely holds up. And yeah, I agree. It just, it's just the whole art style in general with these old games, especially Final Fantasy. It's just like nothing you get today. It's. It's special. It's special like look back in the past of its time. But it's uh yeah, it's great. I want more games yeah. of that style today. Yeah. I miss it. I mean they obviously <laughs> they, they they couldn't they couldn't have done anything more than the pre under backgrounds, obviously because of mm. you know because of memory restrictions on the PlayStation back in the day, but I think what they what they did make use of worked very, very well, would you say, yeah. Daryl? Yeah, no, absolutely. And like they they made use of the technology in the ways that they that they could, right? And that was one of the benefits of them moving to the PlayStation that they could have these like massive storage files and they didn't really have to worry so much about load times. And I remember watching like a video about this, how like basically and I I guess we're kind of in that now with the PlayStation 5 and and the and the Xbox series. Uh like back then with the PlayStation N64, it was like this whole kind of they had two different styles of developing games. Like N64 was all about like super fast, immediate, lightning quick gameplay with zero loading time and like, you know, visuals were kind of more polygon uh, polygonal, like, but it was it was all like, you know, that 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 like instant stuff. Whereas the PlayStation was more like you get like it's more methodical, you can load mm-hmm. much bigger assets and the graphical fidelity is much higher as a consequence. And it, like 
And like, yeah, it's like as a result, you have like if you compare the, the N64 library to the PlayStation library, the games are like they're they're they're, they're, they're so different to each other. Yeah. And like, you know, it, it was really the the decision to move over to PlayStation that, that kind of pushed them in that direction because they didn't really have any other choice, right? They had to create these massive pre-rendered backgrounds because they couldn't make those other ones. You yeah. can see like the other side of it because it went in, in the because obviously the game split into those all those different engines and like the battle engine is completely mm-hmm. different right you, you have yeah. some notion of kind of the backgrounds but there's you know the, the character models are completely different like you know it's it's like, really it's a completely different game like when, when you look at the battles um but yeah they just kind of like they just managed to kind of like meld everything together in a way that just kind of worked i think at the yeah. time they're having cloud run around those areas that it didn't really take me out of it too much but obviously now when you look at like massive high resolution uh, by comparison, you know, cloud is like super, super like high def with, yeah. but, but like with no real, any fidelity increase. <laughs> <laughs> so he just sticks out like a sore thumb on against these backgrounds. So yeah, I, I don't think the aspect has necessarily aged that well. Um, but yeah, like at the time it was, it was, it was incredible. And and as you said, like the, the, the backgrounds look amazing. Yeah. Yeah, that's the thing. I I still love things like Walmart, and even to be fair, even like inside the Shinra building as well. It's 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 that background is 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 so rich. You know, I just um, they did a really good job. But it's funny because you mentioned about the, about the, the 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 battle engine. Although the the character models obviously look better because they look more like real people. You're right; it gets uglier. Ironically, yeah. Um, even though you you you'd almost think there was a lot less being used but clearly it wasn't hence why we've got an albeit a better looking characters uglier visual to make it yeah, work and, but. And, I, and I, don't, I don't know if you guys knew this but like on the pc version the battle system got like really hammered so oh, really? Uh, it ran at like 15 frames per second in comparison oh, to the rest oh, of the game it was like oh, super wow. super slow i didn't i never noticed at the time but like no. now like people have actively like have actively had to mod the game to make it actually run at like 30 or 60 frames per second just because it's like it, it was so like heavily intensive though that that kind of part of the game in comparison to the other side. <laughs> I mean, obviously, in terms of sort of character design, obviously we'll, we'll talk about the characters in depth. But you know, like Finn, what did you what did you think of like the character designs then? Like, is there any kind of that that, that stand out? Um, is it just Cloud's big hair, or is there anything else kind of there that that, that stands out to you? Uh, when I was younger, it was just, it was just like, oh, cool, it's a big, cool looking guy with a big sword, yeah. And they got these, this cool woman with massive boobs, yeah. <laughs> and there's a cool dog guy, a cool vampire guy. And it's like, yeah, this is so awesome. Uh, looking back now, it's like, actually, yeah, it is pretty awesome. <laughs> it's still awesome today, you know. Uh, our characters, you know, obviously based off, got similar characters today on newer games. They'll clearly have taken inspiration from games like Final Fantasy VII and stuff like that, you know. You've got guys with big anime swords and anime hair and things like that. Um, but now I just thought back then I thought this is really cool looking, and now I still think it's really cool looking. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> really same. Like it. I mean, obviously we, we we spoke at the start about about the, the 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 launch of the game and things, but the the one thing that I do distinctly remember at the time was all the advertising that was done in print media. So even like things like play, I want to say PlayStation magazine, but I could be wrong with the dates there. But certainly other magazines and even even in entertainment magazines and newspaper sections was the Final Fantasy VII advertising, and it was always those those character images, wasn't it? And the little bios next to them. That's what they used. And it was all you know, seeing all of our characters 
in this lovely illustrations and that's kind of they've, they've always they've always kind of stuck with me each one of those obviously like you said on, on the front of your on the, oh you're going to look at the page there for now yeah yeah so you've got like all these like these kind of yeah that's there. exactly you know for, obviously we're, yeah. we're not putting this on video but yes those <laughs> those illustrations are what we got in all the magazines and those are the bits that have always kind of stuck with me yeah like the classic you know hand-drawn characters yes Yes, yeah. they look nothing like the in-game. Oh, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> I think also, like, you know, they, um, again, like, there wasn't really at the time any characters that, that looked like them, you know, in terms of the games mm. that we played. Like, most of them, you meant, we mentioned some of the ones at the beginning, they were typically kind of real-world uh, situations, right? It was just a, a dude or a woman that was, was very conventional-looking or jacked up or something like that. You know, Solid Snake is a pretty average-looking guy. Right, yeah, he's just he's just a dude, yeah. <laughs> you know, and uh, like you know, obviously you had like Lara Croft, but again, she's she's obviously a woman with some some assets, um, mm-hmm. but you know, ultimately <laughs> she's just she just she could just be a normal person, whereas like you looked at um at at, at what what was represented in that, and even like fantasy media, like you know, typically when people were using swords, they would be using realistic looking swords, uh, you know, you wouldn't have. There, there was very rare in, in a kind of our kind of media, like in Disney movies and stuff. You wouldn't have some like uh, blonde haired dude with spiky hair lugging around a sword that's the same size as him. Like it just wouldn't be a thing. And like the other characters, like, you know, Barrett, he's got a literal gun on his arm. Like, you know, you compare him to Duke Nukem who has to carry around a gun. You know, Barrett is actually a gun. Like he's got a gun, <laughs> like, you know, and like, you know, it's the only comparable thing really would be like Transformers really, like where they can, you know, be the weapon as such. Mm-hmm. Tifa's like, you know, punching people and like, you know, yeah. a lot of people, martial arts was really big in that era as well, which is cool. And yeah, like in Red 13, like, you know, it was like it, the cast was like really, really unconventional i think mm-hmm. also like Aerith, um i i didn't really like using her because she didn't really oh. i i liked i liked just hitting things and doing damage and like she didn't do any yeah. damage she was she was a utility she's to your keep healer she's your healer though you know but you could That's but she didn't thing. have to be right outside, outside of the limit yeah. she had the limit breaks but everyone like yeah. you didn't need them and yeah, i don't know many people that use Aerith in their final uh final party against sephiroth well, you fucking can't. Yeah, they wouldn't. Like they wouldn't. You wouldn't yeah. need her. Like yeah, it was the game yeah, was designed so you wouldn't need her. Yeah, yeah. I, I was just saying back to the when I was younger. Like, she doesn't even do any damage. Why would you want to use her? Yeah, you just hit people with a <laughs> yeah. stick. Yeah, and yeah. and and that, you get that little twang. And then, <laughs> oh, it's Cloud's turn again. Now we can do something. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a thing. To be fair, I, I'm pretty bad at, at using support characters and buffs and that as well. To be honest with you, even you mentioned Octopath Traveler, even playing Octopath Traveler two just now, I'm the same. I'm like, I'm so bad at using support characters. <laughs> um, but I did appreciate at times. Um, I think it limit was, break. I think if they did like made it because because obviously like the material system made it so that any character could be any character. And and obviously, like you know, when you know you can make Aerith incredibly powerful if you if you like you know stacked her up with everything, but like when you when you first get her, it's not like the great first impression. Like you, you basically having to keep her alive. Um, and, and like you know, I, for me, I I didn't really resonate with that as as much as a as a you know an impressionable teenager. Who just wanted to to yeah do like as much damage as possible? Um, I, I didn't really care about casting magic or anything like that. I just wanted to hit things. 
yeah. <laughs> use your sword, use yeah. your guns. Yeah, yeah, I get that, I get that. <laughs> no, I mean, you're, you're right, you know, I mean, the, the, you know, we're, we're going to come out of the material system and that anyway, but which is which is definitely a system that I enjoyed and I think has aged really, really well. Um, but overall, I mean, obviously, we'll, we'll kind of come on to combat and that and, and see what you guys think. I mean, you know, I've, Daryl, me and you spoke before, you know, like, I am a turn-based purist um, and I love Seven's combat. The ATB system, active time battle system, I think is utilised very, very well. I believe it started with Final Fantasy IV, um, which is where that was introduced, which is essentially a a running metre of when you can act. And that metre, the speed of that metre is based on your character's agility. Higher the agility, the faster the metre moves, the more turns per hundred you get, as opposed to some of the other Final Fantasies, or like I just mentioned, Octopath Traveler 2, which is literally the traditional turn base in that when it's your turn, you can just put your controller in and the game will just pause. Um, this hasn't, you know, and, and, I, and I like the fact, I, I do like the ATB system, the fact that, you know, you have to act quickly. You can't just leave it because the enemy will keep attacking you. You have to kind of be on point and think ahead. Think about what moves you are going to make while that meter is running up and you can feel someone like going, fuck, run out of time here, you know? <laughs> um, you do have to kind of be on the ball. So, yeah, I mean, Finn, what did you think of the, um, the, the combat system? And what do you think of turn-based combat as well, I'll ask. I'll get that question out of the way. <laughs> well, at the time, that was my first introduction to turn-based combat. When you thought of RPG, really. Before then, it was all like Crash Bandicoot, Sonic the Hedgehog. Um, so that was, that was all I knew. So I thought, okay, this is it's very different at the time. Yeah. But at the same time, I thought, at first I wasn't sure. I was like, why would you want to... I just want to hit things, you know? But then I kind of got got I kind of got it eventually. It's like, oh, I get it now. You can, t- you can take your time and do this. It gives, you, it gives you that thinking time. time. It gives you that thinking time between the turns. You're like, oh, what am I going to do now? And then when you, the menu pops up, you've got to do it. Yeah, <laughs> you've got, exactly. you, you think, yeah, you have to because otherwise you're in trouble if you don't act quickly. There's no pausing in this one, you know. <laughs> but yeah, now now it's one of my favourite, you know, genres of games, JRPGs and turn-based. Um, but yeah, as I say, it's, it's timeless. Games today are still being made with turn-based combat. And you know, there's a reason for that. It's and it's because it works. It's really good and fun. And you can do a lot of stuff with that kind of thing. Yeah, shame they're not making more. Yeah. Intent. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and yourself, Daryl. I yeah, I resonated with it. Um, I, I liked the fact that it it kind of had that degree of urgency. Uh, I think yeah, like compared to a traditional turn-based where. Uh, especially at the earlier games where you'd like pick all your actions beforehand and then everything would kind of play out at this like at the same time depending on speed stat I, yeah I, a bit I, like a bit like Suikoden is, is yeah. like that isn't it you you, you know you, you choose all your actions and then they all just un- unravel you have, yeah you have no yeah. idea who's gonna go when it's yeah. all based on the like, kind of when the role or the, the randomness behind the scenes uh, and you just gotta hope that your actions happen before the enemies <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Before the enemy kills you for making a mistake, great. Yeah. Why didn't I heal? You know. Exactly. Well, I fucking know I had to. Hindsight. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I think when they introduced it, it was uh, the active time uh, element to it was was really interesting way around it because it's it's still very much turn based and like the, it, especially in the, because the first game didn't actually have a bar, so you didn't know um, kind of when it was going to be your turn. You just knew it was your turn. Um, and like, but it was yeah. It's kind of introduced as a kind of like a um, uh, it's a, it's like pseudo real time, right? Because it's not actually real time, but it, it's just a kind of like because you know obviously you said like in in a in a traditional turn based game, your agility stat will determine your turn time when you, when it's your turn, and that's exactly what's happening in the active time one, right? It's just that they they elongate it to make it 
you have like something to look forward to a little bit you know it's so it actually de- delays the combat in, in a way and makes mm-hmm. it slower yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> gets the adrenaline going it's my turn come exactly. on hurry up fill faster fill faster <laughs> you know <laughs> but no i, I like i liked it because yeah there was the elements that you could make it fill fast like if you got a limit break it filled up almost immediately which was like a really cool thing uh, to see and then yeah. obviously if you got slowed you like you felt the you felt the consequence of that uh, and if you got like stopped as well, which was really super annoying. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, I, I liked the fact that it was it was still dynamic without because uh, I think like if if it had had the system that like one through three had had, I think it wouldn't have appealed so much to to kind of like the wider audiences who wanted yeah. something that was a bit more uh, kind of I, I'm taking an action, I want to see something happen mm-hmm. kind of thing. Whereas, obviously, yeah, in those earlier games, like, you know, you press attack and then it's like, okay, now I've got to select the actions for all the other characters and then I'm going to have to see it all play out in a nice little dance. Whereas in 7, it was like, I hit attack, Cloud's going to hit something. I yeah. select the spell, they're going to cast it. Um, and that kind of like, there, yeah, that, that, that kind of like go between uh, mid halfway house between that turn based and that real time aspect, I think, yeah. really yeah. helped it. Yeah, yeah, it's a good middle ground. To be fair, you know, where where maybe try to be a bit more modern, like you said, to appeal to more masses, but still kind of stick to its roots. Um, yeah, yeah, I, I agree with that. And you know, obviously, you, you touched on it, Darrell, on the material system. We'll we'll talk about that um, just now properly. But as a as a combat system, the material system. Sorry, Finn. You know, what did you think about that? And I suppose, in a way, if you want to compare it to to other other job systems, by all means, do. Um, it's one that I that I that I personally really like the fact that they, they they took away the job system or there's no job system effectively. And Daryl, you mentioned it. You can you can make your character anything you want. You know, if you want Aerith to be the tank, you you're gonna regret it, but you can. <laughs> if you want Cloud to be a mage, you can. You'll regret it, but you can, and you can figure out ways to do it. Um, I thought I, I, I something that I must admit didn't appreciate the time because it's it's a lot more complicated than you think it's not it's not an easy system but when you know how to use it it's very very good exactly no i was just saying back then i didn't pay attention to our stats or anything like that i was just like put all the magic on this guy do this get all the big spells all the big summons you know that's like put put, put all the spells i could uh, we're going back and playing recently. I was like, "Oh, I, I kind of get it now. I'll do this and this material with this material. If this happens, these stats go up." Uh, like one of my yeah. favorite, one of my favorite things to do. I think of the Tifa. I had her with counter and also had cover and max them yeah. out. And then basically every time an enemy didn't attack, Tifa would cover and then immediately counter. Yeah. And you can also you can also pair counter with added cut. So every attack you you counter with four hits of your own. And they're doing nine on nine damage each. It's like <laughs> you just put the controller down and just you know walk away and as <laughs> we come back just one. Yeah, because <laughs> TV's just beating the shit out of everyone. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the, 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 there's nothing <laughs> there's nothing more time consuming than putting knights of the round on counter attack, <laughs> mime knights of the round, and putting the controller oh for half an hour. Oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah baby, <laughs> go put the kettle on. Ain't no fucking skipping this cutscene, baby. <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah. You're right. It's funny because 
I, I, yeah, I, I don't remember appreciating things like how to use things like you made yourself counter. Counter's a great one. I, I, I love any any Final Fantasy that's got a counter attack um, skill. I fucking love it, particularly if it's on you know your main character, and it works in this because you can use that in so many ways. And that's where I think the materia system is is actually probably one of the best systems going, paired with what is a very I'd call it a very basic equipment system, but there's a reason for it with the combinations. You, you know, you've literally only got, you know, your your weapon and your and your sort of main outfit. The two things you can you can um, tweak and change with materia, and some of those combinations you can pull off. You, you know, you've you've got the option where you can have your you can have a maxed out sword that's only got or it's got no materia slots, but it's got a mega high damage output, or you can reduce that. And you find a sword that's maybe got half the damage output, but you can put all these different materia on it, and it's very, very cleverly done. Yeah, I agree. Something I didn't notice at the time, because like different weapons have different materia, like how how quickly the materia levels up. Uh, yeah. I didn't realise back then, like ultimate weapons have zero AP gain on it. Yeah. And so it's like <laughs> I didn't realise you could level up your materia with that <laughs> until my last the last time I played it. I was no bloody wonder I couldn't level it all up. <laughs> Why have I not got two knights of the round yet? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> How else am I beating fucking weapon with that shit? <laughs> I think I think that 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 layer though is like you know obviously I mentioned about Aerith earlier and and, and uh, how at the time I didn't really appreciate I think you know yeah playing it now you'd, you'd understand a bit more about the different mechanics and how to how to leverage each of the characters' strengths. Yeah. Um, but I think yeah because it has those different layers of depth like people that are just kind of playing it and, and not really kind of getting to grips with what's going on they that you can still get through it like just playing it you know as Finn said just kind of like you just you kind of bumble your way through you, yeah you like you, you stack all your stuff on this person and then you know you just kind of hope that they can they, they can power that they can power through um, <laughs> yeah but yeah, as you said, like, you know, because it's obviously each character has slight affinities to different stats and like Aerith is the best mage. Um, yeah. But like if you if you don't really have a, a care about, you know, casting magic, then, you know, she, she's kind of over there somewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, yeah, I, th- I think like, yeah, like it, it because it appeals to people on those different levels. That's that's one of the, the strengths of it. Like it, it has it has so many different layers of depth in terms of that material system. Yep. But I also like I, I feel as though in some ways I mean I know that like when Seven was being developed there were supposed to be jobs um, they've actually been talking mm-hmm. a bit about on social media recently mm-hmm. um, like the original jobs that they were supposed to have and uh, I'm, I'm curious to see how that would have worked because then like when you have those situations like if Aerith had have been had had been like the de facto healer right and and that's all she could do then I wouldn't have ha- I would have had to rely on her. Whereas yes. I, I I didn't right I as soon as I could she was out she she was gone like, out, out of my party um, I I just I just preferred like Tifa and Red Thirteen like you know or Barrett like I I I felt as though they provided me with more utility for the way I wanted to play yeah and, which is basically attack 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 with as much power exactly and like you know you like I think Red Thirteen was probably my I think he was kind of my mage character um, yeah. He does take that uh, box, yeah. And, and like you know, that, that that was fine. Um, but like, if if uh, if it had been like you know, the other characters don't have like like you, you think the older games when they did have their job systems and like you know, four is particular for it. Like Rose is kind of the mage, uh, and when she's not there, you feel it. Right? Mm-hmm. You, you feel it. You're like you're 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 left with like uh, Cecil's like really bad 
cures because that's all you've got <laughs> and you're like oh damn i really wish i had like a a much stronger cure cure yeah. uh, magic right now um yeah <laughs> better get those phoenix stones down Gonna need exactly them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah that's yeah yeah you're right i mean I, thinking about it now you know and, and thinking in hindsight i the materia system is up there for me in, in terms of Final Fantasy games. In, in terms of a lot of, of, of RPG games and JRPG games, I would say it's right up there for me in terms of a system because you can be so flexible and it's nice not to be pigeonholed. Daryl, you, know, you mentioned that there. You know about Rose. You know being the, the stereotypical mage, and you know how many how many of these types of role playing games are women depicted as the mages or the white mages. It's you know it's that's always the way it is, and the guy is always the sword wielder or whatever. Whereas in this, okay, in in latter Final Fantasy games it becomes a lot more diverse. We know that, but certainly in in, in Seven's kind of the start of where do you know what? Do what you want. They've almost given you a blank canvas to say, well, you know, this character, this character, this character's got some stats. They can, that's, yep, fine. They've got starting stats where it's, you know, where it's attack power or defense. But go and do what you want. Play, you play your game how you want to. You know, I, I think if you were to take 100 people and ask them who was their main three and how did you play them, I think most people would be so different. Exactly. And that's quite cool. Whereas there's not many Final Fantasy or even or even you know role playing games you can say that where your game's different to mine and Finn your game's different to mine because they'll all be largely the same because the game gives them jobs and that's it. Yeah, exactly, and that and that kind of like denotes their importance to to the game. And obviously, I, I flippantly joked that how many people would have Aerith against Sephiroth. Obviously, you, you can't do that. But like, yeah. um, it, it's to that point, right? You know, my 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 final party when I uh, beat the game was Cloud, Red Thirteen, and Yuffie. Right, a pretty unorthodox combination of characters. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. But like, I think where Seven where Seven worked is that like every character could be the same as everyone else, apart from the limit breaks. And the limit breaks were kind of what made them unique. Whereas you think yeah. about Twelve, where it was like every character can literally be the same as everyone else mm -hmm. and like there is nothing outside of the visuals that differentiates those characters yeah. um seven didn't do that it was and, and like eight didn't do that either like they they still had that the limit break there as mm -hmm. the kind of the thing that defined who that character was and the, the the ultimate overriding utility so you're like if you really wanted to have that extra layer of security and you wanted to have uh Aerith in your party you could do so and obviously like if if you take the time to get all the way up to our ultimate limit break before the un unspeakable thing happens you know you would like you know she would provide you with so much uh utility in that party that you basically were never gonna die and you would just paste stuff but like yeah. trying to convince a 13 year old that <laughs> actually no what you need to do <laughs> is invest a bit of time and you've got to use buffs and and that will make you stronger in the long run like it's trying to like trying to explain compound interest to, yeah. to, to... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> got to think as boss battles are the, are the long game aren't they so yeah what exactly. we, so finn what did what was kind of your main three then when you played that a few years ago um well back when i was when i was younger i think my main was like cloud uh sid because i think it's liberated most damage i win and vincent because vincent looked cool yeah, <laughs> a boy. Uh, oh, i did yeah. i didn't like vincent the lack of control like that's true. Yeah, yeah, that wasn't chaos. Yeah, that's, that's what lets Vincent. <laughs> it, could make, it could make or break you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, that's a, that's you're right. I mean, that, that, that's why I didn't use Vincent um, because of the limit break. It's just not there. That that chaos is called chaos for a fucking reason. And <laughs> he's so cool. He's so badass that if he had a limit break that worked time and time again, he'd be everyone's number one pick. I think or, or second to Cloud. Yeah. Um, but f- but for me, I, I, Daryl, I'm glad you said Yuffie because Yuffie was in my in my party yeah. every day of the week. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Cloud, well, Yuffie, and Sid. Yeah, my three. Last time I played it, it was uh, Cloud, Tifa, and Yuffie. Thanks uh, nice for Tifa, yeah. 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 Tifa's just fun. Tifa's just punching everything, and the Wicks, kind of cool and unique. It's the reels, though, isn't it? You know, yeah. you're needing that luck. I hate anything that's RNG based that I need to rely on on <laughs> something to make me to make it work. I.e., chaos. And here's looking at you, Kate Sith, who will come to. I was going to say, I can't believe neither of you picked Kate Sith. He's a <laughs> fucking asshole. Uh, He's an pain. asshole. He's the worst <laughs> character. <laughs> who's who's the character in six again that can kill your party? Who's oh. someone in six has got the limit break? Um, oh fuck, I can't oh, think. No. Anyway, off topic. But their but their limit break can can make and literally kill your party. Um, but the names escape me. So yeah, no, no. Uh, Kate Sith can 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 leave by all means. Go. Surely <laughs> does, no one. Does no anyone one's does party. anyone use Kate Sith out of anything can't other be. than necessity? Like no, can't be. No. I mean, I begrudgingly used him to get his limit break up so that I can get the fucking platinum trophy. So I had to use him and grind him, but I grudged every waking minute of it, I tell you. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, the only, that's the same with me. I used him with a platinum trophy, and then, yeah, straight in the bin after that. Straight in the bin. Straight <laughs> in the bin. Okay, so characters-wise, um, let's obviously speak about our, our iconic characters. Um, and we'll start with Cloud. Obviously, we'll, we'll start at the top. Um so Cloud at the very beginning we learn as a, as a mercenary again you know the, the, the game spells out straight away why he's there um, he's there for one reason for himself to make money um, and you know he comes across as very arrogant very ignorant um, rude brash and we also learn in his mind that he's a member of Capital Letters Soldier which is Shinra's sort of private army and, you know, we learn by using him that he's badass, but we don't appreciate the layers his character has. And what I really like about Cloud is the is the arc that his story goes on. Um, and obviously we, 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 we start to see this sort of, this you know, he goes through a, what we class as a mental breakdown, which I think, you know, again, has aged pretty well. You know, in terms of where we are today, you know, speaking about men's mental health, he's actually a great character for that and understanding, you know, kind of the trauma he's gone through to kind of get where he is and, and why he's the way he is. It's actually aged very, very well. Um, so yeah, I'll come to you, Daryl, kind of talk us through Cloud Strife. I, I agree. And I think... Um... You know, skipping forward into the story, like once he kind of recovers from everything, there's a, a scene on the high wind where they're kind of talking about what they're going to do next. And like they decide that Cloud's going to be the leader. And he's mm-hmm. kind of like, hold on, guys. Like, I don't know if I'm really all there. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. But like, if you, need, if you this, need yeah. someone to like, you know, rally behind, you know, I can do that. But, um, you know, I, I'll, I'll try my best essentially. But like, you know, they. They kind of, they, they, yeah, they, they address the fact that he's like, he, d- he didn't just suddenly make this miraculous recovery of like, you know, oh, I'm, all, I'm okay now, guys. It's like, no, 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 he's still, he's still got things that are kind of wrong with him. And like, you know, we did a, an analysis of Cloud for his story, and there are some parts of the story where it's really harsh. Like, there's one point where Cloud and Tifa are like really just 
nailing into him about like how he's messed up in the head and they can't trust him and all this stuff and he's just like you know like it's it's really harsh like i think that's one of the things that people kind of forget about seven obviously you know when you play it back there are scenes in that game that are incredibly brutal like they're most i, I still don't know how they're gonna do it in remake but there's a scene where cloud like punches Aerith. Like he like in in the in the temple of the ancients after it shrunk and he starts beating her like and and Sid has to like pull her, pull him off her like how are they gonna do that like you know like there, there's like scenes like that kind of like littered throughout that are are just like really really harsh and like just really kind of like gritty um and like Cloud is is generally in the middle of it all because he's just he doesn't really know who he is and 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 I think yeah like. Uh, the way he is at the beginning of the game again like it's kind of like that it's kind of how a lot of teenagers kind of felt they wanted to be right you know he's like really cocky arrogant he's really sure of himself and then you obviously like to find out that he doesn't really have a reason to, to be like he's kind of got yeah. it all wrong there um, yeah you're just a regular guy but like, yeah. yeah like that that whole thing of like yeah like you um imagine like you know you, you find out that the, the life you've been living is ultimately a lie but you still have yeah. a life how do you how do you kind of move on with that like you're still that he's still got the same abilities he's still got everything uh but like most of his memories he's now found out are not really true um we just know which ones are true and well i mean listen obviously you know for, it's it's a part of of the lore that was very difficult to understand um of of why his memories are so, or why they're infused with with Zach's. I mean, that I mean, by all means, you know, listen, talk us through it. Um, you know, talk us through your understanding of of the the Nibelheim event and, and what happens to, to Cloud. I mean, yeah, obviously, like Zach and Zach and Cloud were very close, um, based on the fact they were both country boys, and uh, yeah, like the the Nibelheim storm was obviously a, a horrific event, which was all Zach's fault. I think everyone knows it was Zach's fault. He. If he hadn't asked the question, we wouldn't have had a mad Sephiroth. <laughs> you know, like, Sephiroth, you kind of look like that. You kind of like them, aren't you? Am I? What? Mm. No? I've never realized this <laughs> oh, before. Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> it's, like that, it's like that scene in Kill Bill where it goes... Exactly. <laughs> Zach suddenly just like oh no what have I done uh, okay um, but yeah like obviously uh, you know Cloud has the experimentation done on him and like the whole thing around that is that his mind is he he, never, he didn't make it into a soldier not because he wasn't good enough like he, he from a physical perspective he has incredible strength and they obviously they showed it within the Nibelheim incident where he essentially gets stabbed by Sephiroth but like picks up the sword and and like throws him lifts him yeah, yeah like and and there's a scene in in before crisis as well where it's, it's similar like he has this kind of like limit break within him where when when like he's in like severe like peril he he can just kind of like just muster like superhuman strength um but the the thing that kind of let him down was the fact that his mind is incredibly weak he's he's uh yeah. you know and you can see that off the flashbacks when he's younger like he doesn't really deal with with stressful situations he's He's uh, he doesn't have that kind of mental fortitude that you you need to to get into soldier essentially, which is why he failed and and why when Hojo was experimenting he he kind of succumbed to the poisoning. He just wasn't he wasn't strong enough. 
Yeah, I mentally. Yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't the physical cloud that let him down. It was. It was the mental strength exactly. that, he didn't, that he couldn't handle the the, the testing, and and uh, hence why, obviously, he. No, I don't want to say he infuses Zach's mind because that's the. I think that's people's perception, but certainly that confusion. Um, yeah. from that. It, from it, the it was. It was. It was part of that, and then part of like the Genova cells, obviously, because uh, they both had the Genova cells in them, and and. Obviously, the whole thing about Genova is that it's kind of like one mind. Like it's, you know, if you've got those cells in the, you know, it's the whole reunion theory, they're all going to try and get back together. And and the cells uh, that were there, again, part of Genova is that she can also uh, shapeshift, right? That's how she um, uh, waged war uh, the centuries before. She could she could mimic other people's appearances. Uh, and obviously, she does that with Sephiroth in the game. Um, and, and like, you know, part of it was that, yeah, like, it what cloud cloud wasn't intentionally like stealing all these memories it was it was the kind of the genova effect that he he got infused with these memories he he kind of it became blurred for him like who who he was like what was real what was his memories what was zach's memories and in that moment obviously when zach's saying like you know you you're you're basically inheriting me are you you're you're me now <laughs> when he, when he dies Cloud took that very literally. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> so yeah, very literally. Yeah. To be like, oh, okay, because he knew so much about him, and obviously he yeah. knew all the the important bits. Um, and like, yeah, it's it's. Uh, I always thought it was kind of harsh and Tifa's role in all of it. Like she she's kind of guilty too because again, it's like that gray area, right? Like she knows something's a bit messed up with her childhood friend. He's not really the way he should be. He doesn't really remember things, how they were, but she also doesn't want to push it because she knows that it could kind of tip him over the edge and she wants to keep an eye on him. But was that the right thing to do? Like, you know, because she basically, it's she enabled him, right? She, she just kind of let him get on with it until it got to a point where she couldn't anymore. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, obviously that 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 um, that big twist about obviously Cloud not being who he thinks is women. Finn, what did you think about? You know, how, do you remember that at the time, or did it not make any sense to you? Like it didn't to me at the time. It wasn't until recently playing it again that I went, "Oh <laughs> shit!" Yeah, uh, yeah. As I said, when I was young, I was quite young when I played it, so I don't think it properly sunk in. Like I kind of got what they were going for, I think. Uh, but as I said later on, and I was playing Crisis Core as well, especially. It's like. It's like, oh, I get it now. Yeah, this is it's pretty messed up. <laughs> um, but yeah, like we were talking about earlier about uh, Nibelheim. Nibelheim, like yep. it was full of actors. Like that didn't, that didn't get that at all when <laughs> I first played it. Um, Agreed. Yep. It's like that, that later. It's like, oh yeah, this actually make a lot, a lot of sense. But it's like, yeah, like my last playthrough of that was basically that again and again. It's like, oh, now I get it. <laughs> as a <laughs> as a thirty something year old. Uh, Guys, that all makes it sense is now. super strange, though, right? Because <laughs> you because you do the calm incident, and and Cloud is like super confident, right? He's like, "This is exactly what happened," and you can obviously see at the time Tifa's kind of like, "Uh, not one hundred percent sure on <laughs> that, but quite, right. yeah. yeah, close I, close enough." Like, yeah. but isn't I may be wrong here, but isn't his time frame out as well? Because obviously, after the Nibelheim event, you know, him and Zach are obviously in, in Hojo's lab and they've been experimenting on, he loses those years, doesn't he? I, I think, am I mistaken? So he thinks, I, I want to say five years has passed, but really it's like 10 or something. I think it's, it's I, I may seven be slightly years, with my time. I think. Seven years. So yeah, so he loses time where he's been experimented on, where to him, the him waking up out of that experiment was just the day after 
he fell into it, you could say. Uh, that was kind of my understanding of it anyway. Yeah, like she, she, it's like he, he's got the story close enough, right? Because obviously he's he's doing it from Zach's perspective. Yes, and and, and like when you do the comments, and obviously is uh, your clouds there, but he's he's got his hat on. You don't know, and that's actually what happened, right? Yeah. Um, but but clouds obviously in in the in the leading role, and and like everything is from his perspective, and then. Yeah, like when you when you go to Nibelheim and they're like, no, no, I don't remember any of this ever happening. It's the first kind of like, okay, this is a bit strange. Yeah, it's like what's wrong. Yeah. kind of going on here? Like, you know. <laughs> yeah. And then yeah. obviously, yeah, like when you go back and you and and there is the sequence where like Tifa uh, helps to fix uh, Cloud and you you kind of get to see it all again. You kind of like, well, this makes sense. Like this is is because yeah, like it was that kind of like. As a kid, it was like that first kind of like re- big reveal. Like, you know, yeah, yeah, mo- yeah, most yeah. of the was, media you would have consumed yeah. at that point was like, you know, re- pretty straightforward. There would have been a kind of like, oh, shock kind of thing. But mm-hmm. but not really of that that kind of layer where you actually had to to think and then like reference it back and just be like, oh, oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, ah, okay. Yeah. Like, I guess that does make sense. Like, mm-hmm. uh, he was that guy. Oh, okay. Like, oh, yeah. Him <laughs> with the helmet on. It's him. <laughs> Yeah, that was a cool reveal. Yeah. I don't remember thinking that was pretty cool. It's such a great twist. Again, we spoke about the writing two or three times now. It's like this is so fucking good that people they don't maybe didn't or didn't appreciate. I didn't appreciate the time, but you know, like people, if you've not played it, need to play it and and, and appreciate those these little nuances. It's it's so damn good. And, but what's and, crazy about it though is that like you think about development now and like all the strife that fifteen had and all that stuff. Um, but like. You know, the the addition of that story layer and and even in the inclusion of Zach was like a, a, a like a last minute thing. Like they yeah. they must have put that in the game like I don't know like two two right months before it shipped. Wow, like, it, it's it's cr- it's crazy. Like it was it was probably like I think that one of the last things they did outside of like writing some additional scenes to get Vincent and Yuffie in the game. But like the wow. the whole Zach inclusion was yeah like because he he wasn't in the first part of the story at all. Um, and then, like as they kept changing and changing and changing, they were like, "Well, we've got to have someone that has a relationship somewhere with someone." Like, <laughs> and then they, and yeah, like they just kind of. I think uh, it was that Nojima, who was the kind of scenario writer, who was the responsible for pulling everything together. He wrote that section kind of by himself, and then Katazi didn't even really know he was doing it. Uh, and then he kind of, when he saw it in the game, he was kind of like, wow, this is like super cool, like yeah. kind of thing. But that comes back to that trust thing that I spoke about at the start, you know, like that's having that, having that, le- having that responsibility to do that and go, great. You know, that's, that's very, like a very major, cool. <laughs> a major yeah, part. Fucking right. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's kind of, yeah. It changes the entire plot, you know, <laughs> but I like that. I, I do like the fact that, that clouds car, even without understanding that or knowing that I like the fact that at the start, he goes from a selfish little brat going, give me my money, give me my money, give me my money, to the end going, I get this now. I get why Avalanche is doing this. Let's go and save the fucking world. And I, I like that that his his character arc is really, really good. Um, yeah. And he, he he becomes the the hero that we think we're controlling the whole time and ultimately are. It's, it's really cool. Yeah, and like, yeah. At the end of the game so, as well, and this is, is this kind of a shame in terms of like what happened. I don't know how you guys feel about this, but... Um, you know, obviously, at the end of the game, Cloud is like he's he's still not one hundred percent, but as you said, like he's more he's more assured. He's got the right motivations now, and yeah, you said he's like the hero that we all thought we were playing. He was he was quite positive, really, like all yep. things considered. Yeah. And then 
um there were i think there were pockets of the fan base who felt that he was like he should have been more upset it should have been more kind of emo i think it's obviously what the term at the time would have been mm-hmm. based on what happened and so namura um when Advent Children happened, they changed his personality to be like depressed and, and kind of like sullen and stuff. And like when you compare like the cloud and Advent Children to the, the cloud at the end of seven, like they're they're really two different people. Yeah. But yeah, but now okay, Cloud has kind of been this like he's like this manic depressive character who's like always like yeah, crying and sad and runs away and and he struggles with everything and he basically can't do anything without someone else's help. Um, whereas that's not what he was at the end of the game. And I'm, I'm again, I'm really curious to see how they're going to do that in, in Remake. Because they've made him Remake. They've kind of made him... Um, he, he's got that self-assuredness as well. Um, but, he obviously but he's still just like, as bratty, isn't he? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He is he is just as bratty, um, which I like. I like the fact I don't I don't feel as though they've changed his personality. I think they've tweaked it to suit the new visuals. Um but for me he still feels to be fair, I think all the characters feel pretty identical. Obviously we know that the the Aerith is changing slightly for reasons. numerous reasons. Yeah, <laughs> for numerous reasons. Um but yeah, I just think they've uh, I just think that the that, that Cloud is um is, is is pretty pretty badass and and pretty iconic. Obviously, you you, you brought up Tifa, so so we'll move on to her. And, and and you're right, you know, Tifa understands that her childhood friend is different, but I still see her as quite motherly um, and quite em- empathetic. And you know, she does comfort Cloud. You know, and she is the one that is there that that, that brings him back to um to to yeah. She she sees that he needs help. Uh, yeah, initially, and she's and, there and for there him, to guide yeah. him, um, yeah. and then eventually, yeah, does does kind of like bring solve the problem essentially. Yeah, yeah, and uh, you know, like my, my impressions of Tifa are, are pretty positive. You know, I like the fact that she's this strong, confident woman. I love the fact that her weapon is her fists. Literally, yeah. you know, she's not got any gimmicks. She's not got fucking nunchucks or a sword. It's literally she is. She reminds me of like Sonya Blade at Mortal Kombat. You know, it's her fists. She her her weapon is herself. And uh, yeah, I think she's I think she's a great character. And she not I don't want to talk about the remake, but she's amazing in the remake. What a job they've done of her in the remake. Um, um, but yeah, as I think Tifa is deserves her place in uh, in Final Fantasy history lore for sure. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, I just I feel as though that I just it's a shame we you know not not one of us. Well, Finn, you kind of mentioned you did use her obviously in your last one, but I feel as though I didn't use her enough in the game just because of that because of the uh, the, the slots thing. It just uh, <laughs> slightly, yeah, I would have probably used you, it a bit. You don't more. know what you're gonna get, right? You don't you don't want that random element. It's why I like to use <laughs> because her limit breaks yeah. are just like they do exactly Badass. what they say on the tin. Yeah, and, and yeah. Red Thirteen was there as my mage. He was my healer. <laughs> That's what I needed for. <laughs> you mean Cloud wasn't your subsequent healer now? Oh, uh, I wish. I wish. <laughs> he, he was my backup backup healer. Yeah. Tifa's one of those early examples of like badass women in you know, video games. Like a lot of time back then, you had like, the guys like Lara Groff, but also you had uh, there was, the girls were like the ones that needed rescuing, like, the princess that needed rescuing. By, the Zelda, yeah. yeah, exactly, by the big tough man. But here you've got a woman who didn't have any weapons. She just punches people in the face. You know, <laughs> she beats the crap out of people, and that's how she yeah, fights. Yeah. And it's awesome. Yeah. 
Yep. Still, ob- still, obviously, put as little clothing on as, as possible, you yeah, know, right. as as, yeah. as always is, you know. Um, but uh, yeah, you're right. It's it, it's good to see that very diverse. I think is the word we're probably looking for there. And, yeah. and she was like, she was often billed as as one of the main cast, right? You know, it was yeah. it was, yep. it was Cloud Tifa and Barrett, like pretty much yeah, all the yeah, time. Yeah. They were the characters you kind of got the most exposure to at the beginning of the game. Uh, Aerith was obviously there or thereabouts, but I think just because of the nature of the way Aerith played. It, it's it wasn't as like you know it wasn't as cool in, in that in that regard because yeah like tifa's limit breaks you know it's it was it kind of harkened on obviously like zell did it, it more hardcore in in, in six uh, sorry in eight but like um i was thinking about Sabin as well at the same time um but like you know it, it had that interactive element where you know you felt as though you could you could control things and you and you you know you had the ability to to, to kind of like make a chain a combination of different things as it went through and stuff and it was it was cool in that regards yeah yeah, agreed. Yeah. yeah. Um, obviously, there are, are, you mentioned him there, but our, our, our sort of third main guy is, is Barrett, or who, is, who we obviously learn is the, the leader of Avalanche. And again, it starts, I think he's got a similar personality to Cloud in that, you know, he's bold, he's brash, but he's extremely brave. But at the same time, he's also quite reckless. And again, what I like about Barrett is similar to Cloud, he's got those layers because at the start we see this guy, like I said, that's bold and brash and rough and ready and reckless and he's a badass. But at the same time, he's got his heart of gold because he literally cares about the planet. Like, that's admirable. He's Everything he's doing is to save you and I. He's not doing this for his own selfish games. Cloud is there to make money. He's there because he's a merc or he thinks he's a merc. Barrett is there because he he wants to help help save the planet and stop Shinra. And then you then obviously see this lovable side of him with with Marlene, obviously his adopted daughter, and we get this sort of really good backstory. Um, forget his friend's name begins with D. Dine. Um, Dine. There we are, Dine. Yeah, obviously who obviously who quote unquote dies. That, that and... part of the game is is again it's it's brutal, right? Yeah, really like is. you know playing that as a kid, you're just like, whoa, okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So yeah, I mean, obviously touching there. So obviously, so, so we know that the, the Barrett and Dain they, they they get attacked by Shinra. Uh, hence how both their arms get blown off, and uh, hence how we have got a gun arm in, in Barrett himself. And you know, we assume that Dain falls to his death. Hence, obviously, why why Barrett takes um, takes on on Marlene as his own daughter. And it's just this this great side to him that you don't expect. Again, it's just a great written character. I think yeah, Barrett's Barrett's got a, a ton of depth because uh, there's the, there's a the different elements. Yeah, you've got you've got Father Barrett, but you've also got kind of absent far, Father Barrett at the same <laughs> yeah. time. Yeah, right? yeah, which, yeah. Which people people have kind of contention with. Um, you've got yeah, like uh, the leader Barrett, but but then non-leader Barrett, kind of like he wants the responsibility, but then as soon as someone else is available to take on the responsibility, he's kind of like, yep, I'm out peace out guys that's your problem now like as soon as cloud he feels cloud is ready he he basically delegates the cloud and takes a step back and he's like yeah i'm happy i'm happy following now i don't want to take any more responsibility because he's dealt with so much like the the consequences of his actions for too long he, i guess he just wants to someone else to, to to be in that chair for a while um but yeah you've also have like uh the other side of barrett yeah like he because obviously he was pro shinra right and 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 dime was anti shinra and then uh shimmer betrayed them and and i think you know that that the whole sequence with coral with him going back and obviously they both lost their wives as part of everything that happened uh you know and the guilt he faces because of that was also quite harsh like you know you going back to coral and, and everyone there is like you know calling him a traitor he basically just yeah, they'll hate like, him of course yeah, it's, like, it's like the whole yeah, thing yeah, where yeah. like throwing potatoes at him like they 
they think he's a horrible <laughs> person because of what he did um but ultimately like he he just thought he was doing the right thing you know yep. half the town was pro shimmer half were against like how was he supposed to know that yeah yeah like that things would play out they did through no fault of his own like at all right it, like he didn't he didn't bomb the reactor but Shimmer were like, nah, 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 you guys, you, you gotta, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you gotta, gotta, you gotta pay, yeah, you gotta take responsibility for this. Um, but yeah, I, I just think like, yeah, there were so many, so many really in, interesting, interesting facets to him, and I think the whole thing with Dine that was again, like, I, I'd never really had exposure to it. The fact that he's Barrett's kind of like, you know, you can have your your daughter back, you know, you, you can be reunited and everything. He's like, yeah, I'll have her back. I'm gonna kill her. <laughs> i'm gonna kill her so she can be with her mom like we'll mm -hmm. all be dead together and i'm like mm -hmm. okay awkward. <laughs> <laughs> yeah um, this is awkward <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah it's uh, it's pretty fucked up <laughs> it's it's crazy like <laughs> yeah i mean what did it, you a fan of of barrett finn do you like him as a character yeah yeah uh you can't you can't not like barrett is no he's uh he starts off as kind of like a uh, insane wacky goofball it's almost <laughs> he goes off the rails at the slightest thing but then as you say you learn he's like a called loving loving father to marlene and he's got this massive soft mm -hmm. side to him it's just a big softy yeah. really on the he, inside he's, he's acting for a lot of it right he, he's yeah, trying to exactly. put up a, he's trying to make himself yeah. like seem strong and like because he knows that barrett jesse and, and uh biggs are, are not like the bravest of people right so he's got to mm -hmm. be that for them yeah, yeah but then cloud comes along and he's actually a badass yeah <laughs> and he's like <laughs> okay I know when to step back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's, he's to be fair, some some of his animations make him a little bit campy at times. Yeah. In those first few missions, when he's kind of throwing little tantrums a little bit, isn't he? But oh, um, what they did to him on the on the boat, like honestly, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. and his sailor outfit. Oh, so <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to be fair, it could be worse because obviously I got the platinum. I, I I played it that I got a fucking date with him. So um, how's yep. the hell is that go. for uh, you know? I did that right. You know, nearly cocked it up by the way. But <laughs> yeah. Um. So we, we we spoke about it a lot. Um. And I, I obviously listen. There's 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 more that we can say about Aerith. Um. She's an angel, and uh, and Daryl, you won't take that away from me. But she's, <laughs> yeah. she's uh, um, but to be fair, you know, like uh, again, another great character. You know, we, we learn that she's the last of the Cetra, who were obviously the sort of supreme beings you could call them, the life force that protecting the planet. And we realise obviously that that her mother was the last literal Cetra, um, and her father obviously was was Professor Gast, who was in love with with her mother. Um, hence, obviously, why. Aerith has been, been hounded by Shinra because obviously they want to experiment on her and they think that she can guide them to the promised land. Um, you know, and to be fair, you know, she's... I would class her probably as, as quite beautiful as a person. She's very innocent. Um, and no matter how you kind of look at her as, as a sort of combat situation, um, I, I do think she has her uses in combat, Daryl. But mm -hmm. um, yeah, as, as a character, I, I think she's fantastic. Um... Her death still probably shocks me in terms of how they did that and how they how they fucked us over as as gamers really <laughs> to have the not just to have the bravery to kill off to kill the character off which I want to say is unusual but it was but it was the manner it was the visual and how they did it seeing Sephiroth just come down 
and then just ram his blade through her in that scene. It's just haunting. It's so bad, um, but so powerful as well. Yeah. If I had it sword for me as a kid, I'm sure it would have had a lot more impact. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I'd say it's one of those moments, again, pretty unique for its time. Like, how many games back then, you know, kills off one of its main characters? Um, yeah, it's kind of, kind of mind blowing. Just the way, as you said, the way it was done, very powerful. And yeah, by then you got to know Aerith as this, you know, as this really nice person. And then suddenly, all of a sudden, out of nowhere, she gets taken away. And it makes you dislike Sephiroth even more, and you want to get your revenge even more than before. And, uh, yeah, it's powerful. Yeah, the scene with—I mean, the scene was directed so well. It's, mm. it's so damn good, and you know, um, interesting how they do that in the, in the remake as well. If they do, hey, Daryl. Yeah. Um, yes, indeed. Yeah, so talk us through, talk us through Aerith, Daryl, and kind of what you think of her, and and again, her death. I, I. So I always kind of um, have a slightly different approach, I think, to a lot of people here, mostly because of how I, how I was at the time. Like I said, so I, I, it wasn't really out of, obviously it was a choice, but like I naturally gravitated to what, towards not really using her as a character. So so when her, her death happened, like it, it didn't affect me from a gameplay perspective, for one, which I think okay. if, if you were kind of used to using her and she was suddenly taken away, like you know that that emotional response is is definitely one aspect of it right you, you suddenly don't have a character that you you were used to, to using like and yeah, you think yeah. like games like um fire emblem and, and, and tactics like played that really well like you know games that have permadeath with their cast it mm-hmm. really freaking annoys you like you yeah, want to reload yeah, yeah. your game so you don't Absolutely. lose your character every um, time but like because i didn't really use her I, di- I didn't have that kind of connection to her and i think like when it happened, yeah, like it was, uh, it, it was, it was a shocking scene. But I, I weirdly, it didn't emotionally impact me in in the way that I think it did other people. And I, I don't really know why, because like um, the scene with like Red Thirteen and, and Seto, for example, like that that really affected me. Like when you find out what his father did and and how he fought mm-hmm. to like come to death and stuff, like that 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 really affected me at that time. But Aerith's death didn't affect me in the same way and i and i don't know if it's because like obviously she was she was quote unquote dead right because she's still kind of there affecting things and like they kind of make it seem like she's kind of she's living on just in another realm yeah in, um, in the live stream yeah so like i i think it was it was an interesting one for me and i got i got read to filth because we did a i did a feature with GameSpot about this where i said like it didn't really it wasn't like is it like a massive like uh, emotional. I wasn't like crying my eyes out and something like it. it kind of like it was a shocking scene. Fine, and then I went straight. You go straight into a boss fight, right? And you're just like, yeah, I'm gonna beat the crap out of you because of that. But I think like yeah, because it because of how it happened and 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 like my I guess my relationship with Aerith at the time, it, it was it was quite interesting. I and like I don't know why I didn't I didn't really kind of like um, get drawn into it in the same way as I did. In other scenes like I, I bawled my eyes out in Final Fantasy 8 when like uh, uh, Squall and, and Renoa like get cozy on the Ragnarok like that, <laughs> that left me like as a wreck and like Final Fantasy yeah. 10's ending just destroyed me I cried that yeah. was my first like, game I cried that by the way I'm bad like, enough yeah. to admit that I, I don't know how so, many yeah. people like cried when Aerith died like as a, as the same thing like it, it, it like shocking sure but like, I think I, I, for me I, it's the Seto storyline was more more impactful emotionally that's just I don't know, it's just personal preference, I guess, of my That's emotionals. Right, yeah. I don't know. Like, <laughs> That's okay. That's all right. But I also, like, I don't know, like, 
with with the way that Aerith is, and they've they've kind of touched upon it in remake as well. Like mm-hmm. she is she is a very uh, she's a very caring and compassionate character, but there's also like there's a bit more than meets the eye to her as well, right? So yeah, she she is is not truthful about about things with Cloud. Like she also kind of knows that things aren't necessarily right, and like I and again, this is probably going to come off a bit weird. I always kind of got a bit put off by the fact that she could see Zack in him and and like obviously like she she was okay with pursuing Cloud knowing like how she felt about Zack and everything. I I I kind of felt like she was kind of betraying Zack a bit by how she behaved with Cloud. I don't know. I that's just kind of how I I, I took it. Like a <laughs> I don't take it. That was quite interesting. I, I wouldn't take it obviously because she needs to move on, you know. I, but I suppose it's like it's like when you see those movies where you know a husband and wife and you know husband or wife dies and you think they're reincarnated and it's you know I, I it, guess it, I think it was more that, that way. It, I didn't necessarily have a problem with her moving on. I think it was more the fact that she tried to pretend that Zach never existed. Uh, that that's yeah. kind of what annoyed me a little bit him. about it. Yeah, like she because because <laughs> yeah. there's the scene in in kind of Nibelheim, uh, sorry, in Gongaga, right, where they go back and they meet Zach's parents, and like uh, you can see that Tifa realizes that Eris like not really being truthful in that moment, and she knows that something's kind of up, and she asks Aerith about it, and Eris like I don't know what you're talking about, like I don't know Zach, what like so she's like that that kind of stuff like irked me a, a little bit. Um, but obviously, like there were kind of reasons ish behind it, because obviously later on in the compilation, she's you know back with 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 Zach, like you know they they were always meant to be together, like you know they they reconnect in the live stream, yeah. um, and then like you know Cloud, Cloud's kind of like the sloppy seconds at that point. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. you've always got to have your happy ending though, um, I guess. So. Um... Yeah, I kind of see your point there. Um, the sort of point you're trying to make. But I never, I never took it that way myself. Um, that she did Zach dirty, you know. Poor Zach. <laughs> Poor Zach. He can't, guy can't catch a break, can he? I know, right? He's like the <laughs> nicest guy on the planet, um, and you know, he just tries to do the right thing. He, he, he. Yeah. You know, but she also wrote in tons of letters, right? She, she was still caring about him until like, you know, basically the start of the game. Yeah. yeah. And and then suddenly she's not. Yeah, she's, 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 got, quickly, the new, she's she? got the new. Uh, she's got the new guy on the block who's, the who's Zach, yeah. remarkably similar <laughs> yeah. to the old hair. guy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> both got spiky hair and a big sword. <laughs> yeah. And also, I mean, she would have also known that it was Zach's sword, right? That's yes. Point. Yeah. Very true. Well, you say that, but I'm, I'm sure the the manufacturer of the Buster sword probably made more than one. I, I don't yeah. know. I mean, you never see mm. another one. Yeah, that's true. And it, it was very much like Zach would have always like made a big deal about like this is the sword I got this from my mentor. It's a big freaking deal. <laughs> it's, a, it's a it's a very big deal. So she she <laughs> knew she knew who I, I sure she didn't know no, but I think she would have known who Cloud was in relationship to Zach based on the mm-hmm. fact that Cloud had the sword. She probably wouldn't think it like how do you have this sword? Why do you have that sword? But she chose mm-hmm. not to kind of go down that line of thinking mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and just yeah. But obviously, yeah, like remake, they kind of have, have have towed the line there a little bit more. Obviously, like when she says, like she, because she says about it in the new game, right? Do you do you know Zach, right? But they kind mm-hmm. of like Cloud has like a, a brain aneurysm when he says <laughs> when she says yeah. the name. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It's clever how they're doing it. I must admit. Yeah. 
Um, my next kind of question is, I'm going to ask you both this. Who, not who, what the fuck is Red 13? <laughs> Cat dog. Yeah, yeah I was... Uh, <laughs> <Cat> <laughs> <dog>. <laughs> I don't know what the hell he is. I, I was talking as a as a dog. In fact, I think my last play to I named him Doggo. Um... <laughs> I, I always thought he was kind of a dog as well but then like in third in the remake they've kind of leaned more on the line of cat right like it's, yeah, yeah, it's, like it's more got, feline he's got the yeah. whiskers and yeah yeah I, I kind of figured he was kind of like half wolf half lion but yeah it's very, it's he's, very he's, kind of wolf lion like they've got a yeah. mane and everything yeah he's, he's mm. definitely more more feline but, I would say um, yeah and to, again another in, in, again unique character having an animal in your party <laughs> um but you know what? He's a character that I really like. I've, I'll, again, you know, thinking about Red Thirteen, obviously we 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 find him in Hojo's lab with Aerith actually, and and yeah. we realise obviously he's in a being compromising you know, position. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Uh, he's obviously been experimented on, um, you know, and and, and he's his character that's kind of got this. I class it as probably as sort of Native Native American themes behind him, particularly yeah. obviously where you know the fact that he lives in the desert as well as his, his hometown. Yes, there. Yes, the, the the eagle the feathers braids, and stuff. The thing, yeah, the feathers and, and the braids and stuff. You know, um, he's got this awesome tail that's on fire. As a as a as a design, fantastic. Um, for me, right up there with Vince, up there with Vincent in terms of in terms of design. But again, you know, he's, he's this very kind of intelligent person. Um, I would say he's very honourable. And Daryl, you kind of you've kind of spoke about it already. He's got this kind of this hurt in him that he thinks his, his father betrayed him and their clan, and he's very what's the word disapproving of him um, and. Again, we have this really beautiful scene. You've already touched on it, where he realised actually his father sacrificed himself to save their tribe and um, and Cosmo Canyon. Um, yeah, and, and that's when obviously then he then joins the party and said, "You know what? A bit like Cloud. I see what you're doing here. I'm on your side now." You know, he he kind of got his closure almost with his father. Exactly. And I think yeah. like you you talk about like the scenes and how they were developed and like that. That that sequence, um, you know, with the 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 geek attack at the end, like when you kind of get to the end. Also, that dungeon was really cool too. Kind of navigating yeah. through it, there's like little secrets that like the other dungeons before that hadn't really had. Like they felt accessible. You could see that material on that ledge. You're like, how do I get oh, yeah. that? Yeah. Um, <laughs> but like, yeah, like the boss, and then yeah, like at the end, and then Bugenhagen's kind of like reveal. Uh, yeah. Uh, and then and then like the thing that made it for me, obviously, like they kind of pan up. You see like his his dad like uh, petrified, and then like the tear come mm-hmm. the material tear like he's crying material because <laughs> he's so proud yeah you know, like, his son. Oh, it's, it's just hard. like that for me it just like it, it kind of like i was like yeah that this is this is really this is really well done like and the music yeah. as well like just yeah that, that hit me in the fields as well i'm not gonna lie uh, yeah. <laughs> what's a he howls did which you... is kind of a doggy thing to do yeah yeah he howls yeah. <laughs> what, what did you what did you think of sort of bugenheim's uh reveal thing obviously basically telling the story of the life force now i thought as a scene very beautiful to look at mm. again for the time. Yeah, I don't know what kind of went over my head when I was younger, um, but yeah, looking back, it's just like, just yeah, I don't really know. It's just like the knowledge, all, all that's all kind of thrown at you all at once. It's like yeah. trying to take it all in. It's like, oh, okay, I think I, you know. So it's I think I understand now. Yeah, There's so many Shin- concepts Shin- all at play in that point because they like show yeah. the Earth like get, like just destroying, and they're like, oh, the the life force is going out to other planets and all that kind of stuff, and you're just like, whoa, okay, like it's 
yeah, all the stuff like, going on here. Like, there's a universe and everything. Like, okay. Yeah, it's like, like, <laughs> like Shinra really space, is killing. Like, yeah, like Shinra really is killing the planet. It's not just a metaphor. They are literally killing the planet by taking yes, their life box. Yeah. It's, yeah. Yeah, it was almost like every, everything that we suspected or everything that Barrett was talking about up until this point kind of then, I suppose, came to fruition with, with, with Bugenheim saying, actually, yeah, this is happening and, and this yeah. is why. Um, yeah, it was, um, it was... I think it was that moment where... You know, often we we hear stories, whether it's video games, whether it's movies, whatever it may be, and, and you never know if what we're hearing is the truth. We can only assume it is because it's our 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 heroes telling us or our protagonist telling us this is a fact, but often that might not be the case. And this was kind of the our kind of the answer that actually, yeah, the planet or the world is going to die, by the way. We need to fix this. Um, which obviously then helped Red have his motivation to to join Team Cloud, I guess. Yeah. It's also kind of when you realize that like there's two, there's the two evils, right? Because like Shinra doing their thing, and then Sephiroth mm-hmm. doing his thing, and it's like, which, which, what, like, what, like, like yeah, like, <laughs> yeah. Who's yeah, who's who's actually the uh, the the real bad guy, the real antagonist? Um, obviously, we'll we'll come on to our to our antagonist at the end, but yeah, it's your right. It's who's it's a lesson of two evils, you know. <laughs> uh, so bye. Um, Ketsif, <laughs> I've or Ketchi, I think it is, isn't it? Um, yeah, Ketchi is the official. Oh, is it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Ketchi is is apparently the actual pronunciation. Oh, yeah. Apparently, so. Ketsif to me, it's yeah, yeah it's always been it's always been Ketsif. Uh, like I said, as a character, I just ah, oh, I just don't don't like it at all. I'm I'm not even a lover of, of the actual storyline the fact obviously that it's um i was going to say rufus there but it's reeve controlling a robot cat who's controlling a stuffed moogle with a megaphone yeah. i never yeah, really understood that like, for, a, for a long time like that, that, that like, reeve's not actually controlling fuck? the moogle he's controlling the the cat the, the cat she is the cat not the yeah. moogle I th- yeah, I think, and then he's, they- he's 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 shouting commands through a megaphone like what <laughs> yeah. it even is like so like reeve is like vocal i don't know I, it's, I don't think anyone's ever mad. been able to explain the mechanics about how it actually works. Yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think I even realised that there was a cat involved because you would always see like on the cat. Yeah, it's just the white hitting blob. things. Yeah, it's like oh, I think you can turn the white blob, but then later, it's sort of like people showing these pictures of the cat. It's like, what's this cat? What's he got to do anything? Oh no, he's part <laughs> yeah. of the machine. Oh, I get it. Okay. I was, I was think it's funny. Like in in I've been chosen. They've given them like a massive Scottish accent, which uh, yeah. <laughs> it's just very funny. Um, it just doesn't oh, suit. I bet it is. <laughs> no, I mean it, it doesn't suit this cartoon cat, you know. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. But, uh, yeah, yeah, it's just yeah. not for me. Like I said, the, the RNG combat is isn't really for me. Um, but obviously, we learn that 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 Ketchy Ketsif is like I said, being controlled by Reeve, who's a spy for Shinra. Um, who obviously again, like a lot of our characters, has this redemption arc that comes around and joins. It actually actually sacrifices itself, doesn't it? Um, well, I mean, it's a it it, it was like kind of like a well a, a sacrifice. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. and then another one just turns up five minutes later. One appears. Oh, oh yeah. by the way, yes, yes. <laughs> so you, you, in an you think, yeah, you think yeah. it's like a, it's a big fake yeah. out. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but again, joins the group and obviously becomes the good guy. Because um, am I wrong? Am I right in saying that it steals? Is it the black material it steals or is it a key? It, yeah, so um, basically someone has to stay within the temple um, because it was a fail safe, right? If someone tries to yeah. steal the material, then the temple will implode on itself. 
and uh, Ketchi stays inside so that they can get the material out, essentially. Yeah, yeah that's right. And then, and then appears in the next scene. Yeah. Hello! <laughs> yeah. And then Cloud yeah. beats up Aerith. <laughs> yeah that's that's not good you know um speaking of abuse sid you know. <laughs> um the recurring the recurring name of of sid and this is a character that's again didn't maybe appreciate the sort of uh, you know i mentioned abuse there you know people have, have, have looked at sid in, in negative ways over the years and, and interpreted things i always kind of i saw him as a good guy I saw him as a, as a bit of an he's asshole. A good he's good guy rude. with a lot of baggage. Yeah, he's rude, he's bitter, but he's a fucking badass. Uh, I love his design, obviously, the inappropriate cigarette in the mouth, you know. Um, but we, we learn, obviously, that, that Sid is, it wants to be an astronaut, he wants to be the first man in space. Uh, and with Shinra, who he works for, that is going to happen. He is going to be the first man in space. But it all goes awry, and he blames his his partner, his um, his assistant as well, isn't it? She is yeah. for mm. for this happening, and, and he's and where where obviously Sid is his name's kind of through mud, is that people have kind of seen that him is quite abusive over the years, which I think people maybe didn't appreciate twenty five years ago, but yeah, still a good character with a, with a lot of depth as well, I think. Yeah, for sure, and like um, when you when you kind of understand like what he's been through and everything. Uh, it, it kind of makes sense as to why he he views Shira in the in the way that, that he does, right? You know, he was she was essentially a colleague who who, to all intents and purposes, ruined his life dream, right? That yeah. that's how he sees it. And uh, but she she is kind of like uh, you know she she obviously um, has an extreme fondness for him, so um, wants to stick around despite like how how much he hates her, <laughs> essentially <laughs> until he eventually realizes that you know she saved his life and and then when he realizes that he basically completely changes obviously they then get married and everything and he names his next airship after her and they live happily ever after and Mm -hmm. um but it is it's it's a very interesting one yeah because like people do focus on the abuse but like you know like abuse isn't right but like in 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 those situations like in in some way like she's kind of as much to blame right because she she doesn't have to stay she she chooses to stay there and put up with it like you know like and, and like yeah he he's angry he's annoyed he, he's because yeah because like he, he feels as though she ruined his life mm-hmm. uh, and then the fact that she doesn't go kind of just compounds the issue he's like why are you yeah. still here that's like go away like if you're gonna help do something useful for once like <laughs> Yeah, he is. He is that rude to her, isn't he? Yeah. yeah. I mean, Finn, do you like the fact that he, like, obviously he joins the team because he fucking now hates Shinra because obviously they, they took the funding away from him going to space. So he's he's actually there for completely selfish reasons, which yeah. I quite like. I mean, yeah. you, you you know. Yeah, I, 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 as I said, like that was it. Like the character arc is uh, it's very cool. It's one of those deep characters that on, on the surface he looks like this generic old man, angry old man. When you get deep into his character, it's like you learn all this stuff about him. It's like, oh, okay, he's not just an angry asshole. He does have <laughs> this death to him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, by the so, end, he like becomes the cheerleader as well. He's like the yeah, one who's yeah, like yeah. motivating the team to like, yeah. yeah, like he doesn't have like an overriding motive other than like I'm I'm angry about what happened to me. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Yeah, he, he's there to to fuck Shinra over because they fucked him over. That's literally his point, you know. And you're right, Daryl, because I'm sure. When obviously when when Cloud's going through his breakdown, Sid becomes leader of the group. Yeah, for he, yeah. temporarily he, he takes over. You know, 
so again, it that just shows obviously how how important he was to to everyone. And Finn, obviously, you mentioned there about him being an angry old man. <laughs> Am I right in saying he's actually a lot younger than I think in the game? I always figured him like a fifty year old man, but he's like not. In his he's 30s, a thirties, young... yeah, I think. Yeah, he's, he's quite a young guy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he just. I was the same. Uh, yeah, ben, I was assuming he was old. Final Fantasy so games I. in those in those era, anyone in the thirties was basically geriatric. That's old. Yeah, oh, pretty much. Yeah. That screenshot of they, I think it's like a Mega Man Battle Network game. He's talking to an old man. and says, <laughs> "Just I think his name is Old Man." And he says, "Like I'm thirty years old." Because <laughs> 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 like a lot, uh, of the, nice. a lot of the developers working on the game were in their twenties, right? So you know, people who were like late thirties, they were they were they old, old by then. Yeah. They're old, and um and yeah, because like obviously in the earlier like the um. Uh, especially like Final Fantasy V before, there were old old men. There were men in their sixties, yeah. and then Barrett and and Sid, and then um, obviously you've got like Oren. They they kind of became the new replacement old men, even though they're mm-hmm. in their thirties. Yeah, <laughs> oh, according to uh, this, he's thirty two years old, younger than me. Thirty two. There we go. <laughs> yeah, I, think, I think Barrett's slightly older. I think he might be thirty four or thirty five. Mm-hmm. But he's a parent, so he's got to be responsible. Absolutely. Even though he's absent, as you yeah. said, the the absent father. I'm here for Marlene, but I keep leaving her going to blow up reactors. She, he, not even that. I think it's the fact that he leaves her in charge of his bar. Like she's like <laughs> yeah. a five year old who's running the bar, serving liquor to people. <laughs> uh, yeah, Barrett is thirty five. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. I think that going, going back to, to to Kate Sith. I think what was interesting about that because like when he betrays you as well, like. I'd not really obviously that that's like a pretty common trope within RPGs, right? The betrayal not yeah, yeah, like course. we didn't play four or anything like that where Kane does it like six times. Um <laughs> but like, you know, for me, like I, I didn't expect that. Like when he suddenly is like, Oh, by the way, I'm working for the enemy, see you later, peace mm-hmm. out, I'm stealing this from you. <laughs> like I was like, What? <laughs> yeah. No, you can't do that. Like, what yeah. are you doing? <laughs> and then he's like, Oh, and by the way, yeah, I'm I'm coming back to help now. And I was like, Are you really though? Yeah, are you? <laughs> I don't yeah. trust you, buddy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I can't remember what was was <clears throat> excuse me was Reeves' motivation because he was it because of the he yeah so he he's like um he's head of of housing isn't he yeah so he's he's like the person that Shinra obviously like you know again in, in remake they kind of show the other sides of it but obviously yeah he has to have a degree of corruption about him right because he's he's on like the board of directors yes and if he was constantly like looking out for the people I don't think he would have been there for very yes. long um. Yeah. I feel as though like like what happened in seven was the thing that kind of it, it was the straw that broke the camel's back. Like he, I agree. He'd kind yeah. of played ball for a long time, and then yeah. when he saw them like dropping the plate, he was kind of like, "Okay, this is wow. where we draw the line," you know? Yeah. yeah well, I got the impression as well. It's because obviously I think he was under the, under the impression that we we're going to they were going to obviously fix it all and replace everything. And then when he was told, "Well, no, actually, we're we're actually trying to leave gonna, this yeah, planet," leave he's it, like, yeah. "Oh, that's not what I signed up for." Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I'm okay with right, you dropping the yeah. plate as long as you build a new one. Oh, you're not building a new one? Okay, no, no, oh, you, you need yeah. to come down now. Like, <laughs> yeah, I need to hit my housing quarter this quarter. Yeah, you know? <laughs> <laughs> but like, where did he get these robots from? Like, there's there are so many questions about that whole situation. Like, where does he go in the headquarters to to like control the robot? Like, with no one noticing. Good <laughs> boys. <laughs> Just bonkers. And then in Dirge of Service, they double down where he's controlling robots of himself. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Uh, That's so good. It's the ultimate fake out. (laughs) Ultimate fake out guy. Indeed. (laughs) 
<laughs> um, we have two optional characters as well who are two of like, most people's favourites in, in Yuffie and Vincent and you know Yuffie is, is to be fair she kind of reminds me of, of Sid in her personality in that she's you know she's quite cheeky she's quite cocky and quite brash but she's also there for her literal selfish gain as well you know we, we, we spoke about it earlier on about you know she comes from Wutai and Wutai obviously lost a, a war to Shinra and it's now basically a, you know it's a tourist attraction now and we, she's optional because we can meet her quite early. You meet her in, in, in woods and she can join your party, but then she, she a bit like Kate Sith, she steals from you. She steals literally all your materia <laughs> and you have to get it back. Materialist, which is fucking difficult. Um, but you realise with her, with her personality, that, that she's not stealing your materia because she's a little asshole. She's doing it because she wants to get revenge on Shinra. She's doing it for in her mind, the right reasons, and I suppose in the long term it is, but she's got a point to her because Shinra ruined her life, her family's life, her town, and she wants to get her own back. Um, she's a character that I really, really like, and as we, you know, again, Daryl, you're like me, used her a hell of a lot in the game as well, so she'll get, you know, Yuffie gets a big thumbs up from me. She she really, I don't know what, what, what about her kind of resonated with me, like her kind of like, I just felt, I found her really funny. Uh, like oh, everything, yeah, everything is, yeah. that happens with it, like the you know she does like the kind of like the 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 punch, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> which is just so funny because yeah. it's just like yeah, like she she like she's clearly using the party for her own benefit, right? And and yeah. and that was kind of like, but it was always that way, right? It, it it was not like some huge shock or surprise when it happened. It was kind of like she'd mm-hmm. been saying she was going to do it for, for a long yeah, time, yeah. Yeah. and then it actually happened, and you were just like, oh, okay, so she was legit about it. Um, what what I think is amazing about both of these characters, yeah, like they were they were like they were cut essentially, and then like yeah. um, some of the dev team like fought for them to be included last minute, so they wrote some scenes in there, but they've become like yeah two of the most popular characters despite being optional, which I think is I don't know how that happened because mm-hmm. large portions of the people that played seven probably never even got them right like I, I I don't know how I ended up with with her i think I, I i ran into her in in the woods in uh that's outside, how, that's how you get her yeah. Junin, and yeah. then i was like i was probably like curious because then you have to answer a few questions and then yeah you know it's a trial and error to get the right format of questions and stuff to to make sure you she's going to join and but i didn't really use her that much until i got to the end of the game i don't like oh right I, I, it was very weird how it kind of happened to me uh, in terms of like using it, but I I just loved her her involvement in the game. Like she's just so mm-hmm. sassy. Because <laughs> like none of the other characters really have that. Like a lot no. of the other characters are kind of are quite quite blunt. There are silly moments that happen, but like the characters themselves are quite serious a lot of the time. Yeah, she brought that kind of comic relief to it. And like the whole sequence in Wu Tai with like Don Corneo and and like uh, he he kidnaps. Elena and like the Turks are there and like it's this whole kind of like like merry-go-round of everyone chasing everyone else like I found I found that great um but like yeah there's there's so much depth to her character as well like the the whole the relationship she has with Godo her dad um and when you do the pagoda sequence and how like the 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 other warriors in the town uh they they really dislike her because they they feel as though they don't have like they fought she, she she's like the second generation right so she didn't live through the war in the same way that they did. Like she was a kid growing up during it, so she she kind of got she got she experienced it secondhand. Whereas like Godo and, and and the other warriors, they fought in the war. They like their their friends died, like and they, and they like they lost, right? You know, and and when you've been beaten in such a in such a in uh, um, uh, severe manner, you like what what can they do? 
right and so like they they really struggle to understand why she can't just accept the fact that they lost and they have to deal with it and and obviously you know, when she when she goes to the pagoda and she wins then they kind of they they they're like they okay maybe down. we yeah. we've got this wrong maybe we should continue to fight against uh, Shinra and we we should try to reclaim our land and ultimately they they kind of do cuz Shinra falls falls but yeah. <laughs> but I think yeah like yeah. the the relationship you have with the dad was was very interesting and I'm I'm really happy they built it out within the compilation as well like especially in crisis core you see a bit more about it um but yeah like it's the fact that every all of it was completely optional right the acquisition of of Yuffie was optional the side quest in Wutai was completely optional like even the pagoda was an optional part of the optional part of the optional part <laughs> but like it was just yeah like I I really loved I really loved all the aspects around that and and Vincent Vincent the same like the all the stuff with Lucrezia and how like sinister that all becomes with yeah. Hojo and like yeah yeah it's, yeah, you're right. It, I on my first playthrough years and years ago, I didn't get Vincent. Um, again, you need to jump through a lot of hoops to get him. Obviously, I made sure lost I got him a few years a brat. ago. Yeah, what's that? Lost number is a bra. Like, yeah. this is very annoying. Uh, yeah, I was the same. I missed Vincent the first time through. Um, I got yeah, yeah, he's one of my favorite characters for sure. She's just a uh, energy and uh, uh, like comedic elements. So I thought are very uh, endearing. Um. I think one of my favourite things about like, her quest, which is still your material, is when she gives it back to you. She gives it back all mixed up, like equipped on you, but it's all like wrong. <laughs> well, <that laughs> yeah, thanks me, for that. Yeah, that made me laugh. Lots uh, of little interactions, like her on the airship, but she always got airsick. Yeah, maybe talk to her the crowd with cloud to like see like, give her tips and how to deal with it. And then by the end of the game, she's like she's healed from it. It's like I thought that was nice because like yeah, it's little interactions between the two. Uh, yeah, I love Yuffie. Um, yeah, I mean, obviously moving on to, to, to Vincent. In terms of his design, he's one of the fucking coolest looking characters going. You know, full, full stop. His, his character design is amazing. But you're right, uh, Dal, his, his backstory is really, really dark. You know, and we find out obviously he's he's a former Turk, and he's in love with Lucrezia, who's Sephiroth's mother, and obviously she's pregnant with Hojo's uh, son, who is obviously Sephiroth. And when he finds out that she's been injected with Genova cells, obviously he kind of he's he's distraught by this, and he obviously tries to fight Hojo. He kills him, and then he in turn injects Vincent with more chaos. Um, magic than anything else and of course he then turns himself and he dies and he kind of becomes this people always think it's a vampire because he obviously lives in a coffin I think he's just more undead than anything yeah. else he's just um, sleeping he's just <laughs> sleeping yeah but he's he's such a cool character and the fact that he uses two handguns as well is badass as hell because yeah. again coming away from the sort of the old Final Fantasy games where you're literally Dungeons and Dragons so it's so it's wands and swords and shields you've got a bit like Barrett you've got actual actual guns and, and or handguns um, so it's, it's whole character is brilliant up until you get that fucking limit break <laughs> I mean the whole concept yeah. behind the limit breaks is really cool um, yeah. but yeah I, I, just, I didn't yeah like the, the randomness element it's like that to the extreme yeah, yep. But again, obviously, you know, it's 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 chaos magic, so or, or chaos macro, whatever you want to call it. So um, I guess it, the limit break resonates to the character. Um, but yeah, listen, a really big fan of Vincent, um, and I would have liked to have used him more in the game, but I still really appreciated his his character and his demeanor and just this like I said, just his style. He's such a cool character. What a job they did 
designing him the way he looks that very sort of you know he looks like a vampire obviously but it's that sort of emo look of the 90s just brilliant really good job they did again it's a shame that maybe he's not in it more because like you said he was he was going to get pulled at the end so yeah Yeah. like i'm I'm, it's one of those things where when you look at the compilation as a whole like you you get to see kind of like what their plan was because obviously, like, they didn't just make up the story for Dirge of Cerberus. Like, they would have had, like, components of that already yes. built out. Because, obviously, one of the, the like, the most elusive parts of the game is, is finding Lucrezia's cave, right? Where you can you can yep. visit it in, in the game. Mm-hmm. And, and like, there's not really too much context around that in, in the game. Like, you can, you can kind of piece things together. But obviously, Dirge of Cerberus then explains it all. Like they, they couldn't have just made all that up on the spot to be like, oh, let's retcon all this stuff in here. Like they, they, yeah. they, they had like they had plans for for these things for years, but they just couldn't they couldn't put them in the game at the time. Like they just didn't have the time to. I mean, the, to... the game was on three discs as it was. Never yeah. mind <laughs> adding in Dirge of Cerberus and everything else. You know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I played through Dirge of Cerberus recently on stream and. Uh... Yeah, it goes into more detail about Vincent's and Legretia's uh, backstory. Story's great in that game. Yeah, I agree. It's just like gameplay, but, not so much. But, yeah, uh, <laughs> I just remember thinking, bloody hell, this is this is dark. It's, it's way more dark than I remember. Um, yeah, yeah, it's the way you know Legretia. Come with exact details, but Legretia, you know, um, goes goes out with Hojo and has a baby, and the baby gets experimented on by Hojo. It's injected by and her. She's she's her, perfectly yeah. okay with it. Yeah, she's <laughs> yeah, she's, she's, like, she's all oh, good. Oh yeah, she's an enabler as well. You know, yeah. She's like, yeah. And then that leads all the name of science. And then she the... realizes, like halfway through pregnancy, maybe this wasn't <laughs> such a good idea. Mm-hmm. <laughs> who would have thought? Who would have thought injecting me with alien DNA wasn't the right thing to do? <laughs> yeah. And of course, she's denying it, and then yeah, that kicks off the whole thing. Maybe Vincent um, wasn't just being overly jealous. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Maybe. Maybe the emo Turk had a point. Yeah, but yeah, it's it's all story. It's very cool. But even like, like the whole layers of that, because obviously she she worked with his father. She never told him that, and then like mm. she had all the guilt around the fact that she felt responsible for his death, and she like that. That's kind of like why she rejected him essentially because she didn't want him to be involved with what they were doing. She was trying mm-hmm. to protect him, but then somehow. Like I don't know, I still don't know how Hojo got his claws in there. Like, I mean, he's a he was a top shagger. Right? <laughs> Hojo man, he he got his claws into everything, man. You know, yeah. the, the, it's funny because you don't realize how much the game actually centers around him. He's he's, he's like the true main main bad guy, is. really. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, if it, if it wasn't for him, we wouldn't have a game. We wouldn't have Sephiroth. We wouldn't have any of this, really. Um... Because, again, to be fair, we might as well move on to Sephiroth. He's obviously the, the last character to discuss the iconic Sephiroth anyway. But, yeah, obviously, we've mentioned it a few times, you know. Um, Genova obviously lands on Earth. It's this alien that wants to destroy it, and it gets encapsulated, effectively. And at some point, Shinra discover it, and again, obviously, start start experimenting on it. And that's where, like we've just said, Lucrezia, Hojo have a baby, because apparently she loves him. And... The baby is, or, or Lucretia, is injected with Genova cells. And that's how, obviously, we get Sephiroth. And we get this, again, similar to Cloud. I always think that, that that Sephiroth and Cloud are very similar in that they start off very noble and then have some sort of breakdown, which, obviously, in Sephiroth's case, like we said, is the Nibelheim incident where he realises, actually, his mother's potentially an alien and he's not that special. And he kind of has this breakdown when, he's, when he finds 
diaries from Gaston, from Hojo, and he is, he, this, this whole kind of scene plays out of him discovering actually who or what he was, and it's, it's again, become back this fantastic writing. Um, he he decides to be the monster. He decides to be the monster. Yes, mm. yes. He chooses because you're right. Because he is good. He is. He is a, a war yeah. hero. Up Not in the eyes point. of Wutai, right enough, you know. Yeah. <laughs> but he is a war hero because at that point he is good and he has no idea. He you no. Know, they, obviously, they know that they're all, all capital letter soldier are being infused with Mako. But he doesn't realise he's a special. It's not because of that why Sephiroth is special. He's special because he's injected with Genova cells. And that's why he has his powers and his strength and everything else. And mm. he realises that, yeah, like he's basically just been used his entire life. And like it's, mm-hmm. it's going to mess with you. It's, it's yeah, going to yeah. mess oh, with it's, you. And it's deep and it's yeah. dark as well, you know. Um, <laughs> it's... it's um, it's, it's depressing in a way as well when you think about it, you know, it's all these years of just being manipulated by Hojo and not obviously knowing who your, who your real mother was and things. It's, ah, it's, it's tough. It's tough. <laughs> yeah. And also the fact he hated Hojo anyway. And then to find yeah. out that he should... Yeah. hates your father. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of, the, it's, it's a, it's a Empire Strikes Back moment, isn't it? You know, that's clearly the inspiration I'm guessing. Yeah. For, for that for that story I always line. find it interesting though because like obviously Angeal uh, and I d- obviously like the Angeal and Genesis probably was a retcon I don't think they were ever intended no. in the original script yeah I agree um, but obviously Angeal decides not to be the monster right he 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 he, he uh, kind of gets forced down a path um, but he he chooses not to go down the route of kind of Genesis and, and Sephiroth but like he never really got the chance to talk to Sephiroth after Sephiroth found out um, and like whether it, like if he'd have been able to to kind of speak to him, maybe maybe things would have been different, you know. Um, but you know that's, that's obviously like he said, she said. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, very much so. Um, you know, Sephiroth obviously we. At the end, obviously, we, we, we have to we have to finally defeat him in, in Genova. And what 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 I what I was so confused about through the entirety of this game is when we see Sephiroth's visions, which obviously we find out is obviously Genova's visions or Genova impersonating him, uh, and we see obviously all the um, the clones and and kind of I, I must admit all that storyline went over my head as well about what who are all these numbered people and and what is what is obviously all this going on and what was it Hojo called it again what was what the was reunion. this theory the reunion theory yeah, yeah where, where they will all draw together you know that's when obviously we discover that as other well, Sephiroth obviously is, is manipulating Cloud and he's in his head and hence why obviously Cloud gives him the the, the black materia. It's all again, it's all this kind of psychological warfare. All it's all very very deep and all fucking hell, really dark. This stuff, you know, this is not easy yeah. storylines here. This yeah. is not just like you said, the damsel in distress needing save from a. This is all. This is mental torture. And, this whole and thing. And it's another instance where you, it shows Cloud's mental frailty, right? Because. He could have just resisted Sephiroth the whole time, mm-hmm. but he 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 didn't have it in him to do so. And in the end, he yeah. just because it's kind of like, you know what? I'm just gonna let it happen. Yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm tired. Like, <laughs> <laughs> this is tough. Here's your materia, pal. Yeah, yeah. He's <laughs> like, yeah. Tifa's just like, Cloud. What are you doing? Stop doing it. He's just like, you know, it's gonna happen anyway, Tifa. Yeah. Just, 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 you know, Yolo. just accept mm. it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, Finn, where does sort of Sephiroth rank for you in terms of all-time antagonists? Um, 
honestly, probably number one. Um, really? Wow. Yeah, it's just the whole backstory and everything that leads up to it. It's like it's, it's just you know, it's just cool, you know. <laughs> it's, it's an evil, you know, a guy, but when you find out everything about him, it's like he's just kind of badass. At the same time, as much as you know, an evil monster as he is, it's yeah. I just love his whole story and it's just all his look and his design and everything about everything about him. Like even this like final boss form is like, man, that's looks so freaking cool. <laughs> it's like massive yeah. angel thing. Yeah, um, the one winged angel. Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. Yeah, his design, his design is is, is very very cool. He's got that massively the the the, the Mashumani, which is the, the exaggerated sword, a bit like the Buster Sword. Yeah, everything about him, he's got this cool kind of emo look. I, I do agree. <laughs> I think in terms of like you know, if you thought about iconic antagonists throughout gaming, I think he is up there. Yeah, I don't think he's a in terms of in terms of boss to. Beat. I don't think he's that great. Oh, I think his lore. But by, by, by the end of the game, you're pretty overpowered. And yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, yeah. 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 I, I think his, his lore is greater than what he, as an enemy he actually is. That's probably the words I'm trying to say. Yeah, yeah. I agree with that. It's, but it's it, what he was, represents. Yeah, yes. exactly. Yeah. Like by the time you've yeah. beaten Emerald Ruffin and Ruby Ruffin, you get to the fourth. It's like it's walking the path. <laughs> so from that standpoint, <laughs> yeah, it is a bit disappointing. But from a from a pure character and design perspective, I think he's definitely one of my favourites, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And yourself, Donald? I think they were really smart with how they, they handled him. Again, like, at that time, like, you know, a lot of the storytelling was quite one-dimensional with, with games that I was I was playing. Or they, you know, it was like, you know, you think like the story Command and Conquer, right? It's not like, like they, it, it's not like, uh, you know, going to be winning any Oscars anytime soon. Um but like how they dealt with him was was really smart. Like I, I um, Kataze did an interview like a couple of years ago where he basically said that Sephiroth was uh, inspired by Jaws and and how oh. like um, he really liked because Kataze is a huge film buff, right? He, that's how he kind of came into into the into the industry. And um, if you think about Jaws, like you don't ever really see Jaws until towards the end of the game. And yeah, and that's how Sephiroth is as well. Like he in in disc one. Like you, you hear of you hear of Sephiroth, you hear of the legend, and the like, myth, exactly. Yeah. And then, like your first introduction to him is it obviously the the top of the Shinra Tower where there's blood everywhere. You go up there, you see President Shinra with his sword like through his back, and then like, uh, and then you, you're kind of chasing after him. Like the first time you actually see him is obviously on the ship. Um, yeah. And then, then obviously, like you know, in, in the actual game, it's not Sephiroth. But we didn't know that. Um, but like, even even though like that was the case, like it, it didn't affect the fact that you, you you see him very very sporadically throughout the entire game. Like it, there's it, he's barely in it really, mm-hmm. but the impact he has is so significant. Like the the things he's trying to do, the how he's affecting how his actions are affecting everyone else. You you feel the impact of Sephiroth, even though he's not there, like talking at you every five seconds. Like you you don't it doesn't need to be there, and I think. Because of the way they handled that, compared to other villains where, like, you know, they're always there and they're doing things and stuff, it's that's what made Sephiroth uh, so impactful for me, and it's what they mostly really struggled with in 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 the remake um, because mm. everyone knows Sephiroth, right? But in the game, he's not in it; <laughs> like, he's he's barely there, and they struggle with like, how do you how do you how do you have a game where the main bad guy isn't in it? Like all these people that are playing the game that never played Seven, there they know Sephiroth. And like, where is he? But I, that's what I love. That's what I loved about him. Yeah, like he just 
Because the first the time mystique, you really see him is when, is when, him, yeah. when Cloud gives the material, right? That's 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 the true. The first time you see true Sephiroth. Yeah. And he's not yeah. even fully formed then, and you don't see him again yeah, after that. Yeah, because he's. Because at that point he's cocooned, isn't he? At that point, exactly. You know, it's you know, the meteor obviously has uh, it's not it's not stuck I, I'm, as I'm, yet. I'm pretty sure right? you don't you don't see him again after that until you fight him, right? Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, yeah, the stuff like that, like when you find the the giant snake on the pike, it's like. And it, it's a snake. It's an enemy you try and fight, and it's just a little way too yeah, powerful for you. And anybody you see him is like, did Sephiroth do this? That's clearly. And a- you have the Nibelheim incident as well, where Sephiroth's in your party, and like you know, Cloud's yeah. doing like sixty damage, and then Sephiroth's <laughs> there like doing nine, 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 and you're just like, yeah. whoa! Like whoa. this dude yeah. is powerful. Yeah. yeah. He has yeah. fire three. <laughs> like, <laughs> whoa! Wow! <laughs> fire Aga, baby. <laughs> The bit that I never, I never quite understood was in the Nibelheim incident. Obviously, when Sephiroth starts having his breakdown and when he kills Zack and he obviously impales Cloud, how Cloud managed to overturn that, I never quite understood. I guess it was just got to put it down to video game this, I guess. But I always found that a little bit strange how he managed to overpower him and launch him over the side of the bridge. You know, and that's obviously how Sephiroth officially dies and goes through the live stream. Never quite got that, but yeah, we'll let it go. I think I think it was it was uh, it's kind of been chalked down to adrenaline and adrenaline and and and, and shock. So like um, obviously, like you know, Sephiroth was able to defeat Zack without too much difficulty because it was a a confrontation he knew was going to happen. But Sephiroth was obviously someone who was incredibly arrogant, and and he. There was no way in hell he thought that Cloud was anything to him. He was just uh, yeah, a, a grunt, yeah, literally a grunt. a grunt, yeah. Yeah. And and it was kind of like, obviously, like Cloud Cloud stabbing Sephiroth was was an inconvenience <laughs> that he was mm-hmm. just kind of like, really? Did you just mm-hmm. do that kind of thing? And then I'm gonna <laughs> swat you over there, whatever. But then yeah, like when when Cloud was kind of like, actually no, I'm. It, it, it's kind of like that thing. Um, I don't know if you've seen the boys, where. Um, where uh, Homelander's fighting against um, uh, uh, what's his name? I can't remember his name. Um, but uh, basically, the character who's a normal person um, and he gets superpowers. Huey. No, the other guy. Sorry, that's my wife shouting in the background. <laughs> um, Huey. Uh, it's not Huey. It's, it's, uh, it's the other guy. The main guy. Anyway, the guy who's played by Carl Urban. Um, but Homelander doesn't know he's got superpowers. So when he like fights back, he's kind of like shocked. Right. But the other guy's kind of like got this kind of like mad look on his face to be like, haha, I'm not mm-hmm. dead. <laughs> <laughs> and I kind of feel like Cloud is it's kind of like that for him. Like Sephiroth's just kind of like, what is happening right yeah. now? Like this isn't supposed to pan out this way. Yeah. And so he's just kind of like, I think it was just one of those things where like he just, he'd never encountered anything like that before. Like he'd always been fighting against like the top tier cream of the crop fighters. And it's like, one of those things that like if you're like a top tier fighter, you can get you can get knocked out by a, a, a random punch on the street because it's in a way you're not used to seeing, mm. right? It, it, those those situations do happen. It doesn't happen very often, um, but it, it's not like completely outside the realms of possibility. That's kind of yeah. how I saw it, at least. Like it's yeah, 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 there yeah, was yeah. a degree of plausibility in there. I mean, the fact that Cloud lifts him up off the ground and then flings him against the wall. Then you're going more into like the kind of fantasy things, but yeah, while impaled as well. Yeah, yeah. like, but we'll let it go. We'll let it go. We'll let it go. We'll but you've got to have a bit of uh, a <laughs> bit of uh, suspension of disbelief, disbelief, right? Yeah, 
so naturally it's a video game so we we save the day um thanks to to Aerith and Holy um but the question that I've always got about the, the end end is the sort of is that a secret ending is the Red 13 ending um where we see him running and he's got his two little cubs and he looks at Midgard it's all obviously covered in vegetation and everything else and people often wondered well does that mean that the human race died off is that what that means mm. or is it just the fact that Midgar was abandoned and we're just looking at a, a abandoned Midgar and humans are over here still alive? It's I, I don't really know how to interpret that. I think uh, they've always said like it's down to your interpretation, right? Yeah, yeah. I got that answer. Because like, I mean, like obviously in Advent Children, Midgar is abandoned, right? And they've moved to yeah. another town called Edge. Um, and so yeah, it could it could very much be that, but it it could also be that yeah, humanity has kind of fade away nature has has kind of won out but mm-hmm. i mean like it's been like, there's enough turmoil that happens right but 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 who knows like it's it's one of those things where like they left it ambiguous on purpose they wanted mm-hmm. to show that life carried on, on. but yeah. it didn't carry on in the way that it was going i, I yeah. think I, I think that's the kind of message they were going for like it's um obviously yeah like the as we talked about like right at the beginning it's all about the quest to save the planet from this evil corporation that's sucking the life out of it when you see that scene you know that that isn't happening anymore right the the it's it's that whole thing where nature has kind of won over they've kind of come back to their roots a bit more and and uh everyone's everyone's living in peace and harmony (laughs) yeah and uh, red 13 is 500 years old apparently as well yes Yeah, it's just yeah, him and Vince. Everyone else is dead. It's him and yeah. Vince and are still just, you know, <laughs> yeah. catching up every Boos- now and again. Boosting it up at the Cosmo, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, we've got a question here that they ask, you know, who is your favourite Final Fantasy VII character and where do they rank in, in all-time Final Fantasy protagonists? all-time. Yeah. Wow. Um, I mean, it's toss-up between Tifa and Yuffie, not counting the cloud. But uh, as a party member, it would be probably Tifa or Yuffie. So I keep saying Yuffie or Yuffie. But in my head, Bazakela, we also get Yuffie. But then in the yeah. new game, so yeah. called Yuffie. So I'm like, I keep jumping between the two. Uh, I, I, was, I was the same, yeah. Um, it's another one of those ones where the Japanese is technically Yuffie. But but, yeah. but Yuffie, Yuffie is me, how yeah. we would, t- would say it, right? Yeah. But uh, yeah, Yuffie just because of her personality and her you know, wackiness and like her as a, as a character. Tifa because he's a badass. Um, just yeah, just the whole backstory and everything. Um, as far as how those characters are in relation to where you ever find the fantasies, um, I definitely think Seven has the strongest cast, probably out of all the final fantasies. I think Ten probably is a close second for me. Um, so yeah, probably near the top or somewhere. I don't even know. <laughs> it's, yeah. hard, it's hard to. It's a hard. It's a it's a hard one. What about you, Daryl? I think yeah, Cloud is uh, for me. He's 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 definitely one of the top tier uh, protagonists, and I think it's mainly because um, obviously in in some of the earlier games it was is the case you you played someone who was well not in all of them actually in, actually in very few Cecil's probably the only one really, um, but you seldom got to play a character who was just a beast, right? Most of the time you were playing a character who was kind of finding themselves. And and like you know, Titus like before the game, he'd never ha- carried a sword. Like um, Squall is very much a teenager who's kind of learning the ropes still. And like Zidane, he's not a warrior of any kind. Like 
most of the protagonists that you play as are are yeah like they're 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 learning on the job essentially um whereas cloud was he was the comp- he was the real deal from the beginning and obviously like as the game you, you level him up yeah. but like you know he's still like carrying a beast sword right and he's still got really cool limit breaks at the beginning of the game and and like i feel as though that resonates with with people a lot and like you even see it carry through for the seven remake like cloud is the character that everyone loves to play as because he's the character you play as the most like you know tifa is obviously like probably the most developed and and fun to play as in the long term but but for like the average like you know cloud's just really cool to play as he's and he's just he's just uh as in terms of his character and his progression everything he's i think there's kind of like bits that people resonate with um and the role he plays in it as well but he just has that kind of naive like innocent stroke ignorant stroke yeah like um bolshy arrogance at the same time like he's just kind of <laughs> hodgepodge of everything combined but but just it just kind of works somehow um and i think that's kind of what makes him stand out in comparison to the other ones i think titus probably has a stronger story arc for me than than cloud um but and like i really like school story arc as well um but i think yeah cloud is like the complete package because uh, he, he just has the he has the the plausibility that he he can do the things that he can do like it's it's legit like he him doing omni slash is not outside the realms of possibility right it's not yeah. just some like it, it's it you can rationalize it in your brain as something that is legit whereas like yeah. squall like doing a thing where he like finds a laser beam that's the size <laughs> of the planet down on the <laughs> slightly you know <laughs> yeah yeah and, and titus is like oh i'm just gonna jump on my sword and kick a blitz ball in your face it's not quite <laughs> yeah. the same yeah. <laughs> <laughs> bit more grounded yes <laughs> yeah um another anonymous question we got which is quite a, it's a common question now where does final fantasy 7 rank in terms of overall games for you guys, it gets the most love. Personally, six is the goat for him, and ten is second, and seven is third. Uh, personally, I love the fact that, that ten is getting so much love. It doesn't. It for me it doesn't get enough love. I actually, I was actually tweeting with someone recently because I, I see a lot of criticism at ten because of a fucking laughing scene yeah. Oh, yeah. that people are so hard on for a 30 second scene it's completely and out of people, context as well it's like in context it makes perfect sense but they're just yeah, they're just bullies just, right they're just yeah. they're just bullies they're trying to get yeah. a rise out of people and it's just yeah. but the problem is and those it, things stick yeah, yeah, but to shoot down an entire game that's got one of the best combats, um, because of a laughing scene always gets me. But yeah, so you know, you know, you guys, you know, where does seven rank for you? Um, it's been kind of a long time since I played any other ones. Like, I really want to play ten again because that was one of my favorites back then. Um, so seven is one I played most recently. So that's the very fresh in my mind. So I'll probably put that at number one so far. But after I go back and play ten and maybe eight and nine again, might change. But for now, I'd say seven is. Number one for me. It was, it was my favorite when I was a kid, so yeah. Seven's gone down to the number two slot for me more recently. Oh, oh, yeah. Ten's ten's number one for me now. Yeah, nice. Yeah. Yeah. A man after my own heart. Yeah, Love it. <laughs> except with yeah. Aerith. <laughs> oh, yeah, I let you off. I let you off. I let you off. Yeah, ten, ten for me is 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 so special. I just love it. Um, 
again, played that during lockdown, I think. So it's certainly within the last three years, played it again. Did not go for the platinum in that one. Holy yeah. shit. Yeah, that's a, that's a that's commitment. A dick. That it's, I mean, you're talking 200 hours minimum. Yeah. yeah. Minimum two hundred hours. It's it's insane, but it's it's a phenomenal game, and it's the first video game that made me cry as well. Oh. Um, the ending of that hell. game is is like it's just heartbreaking, a, man. But I think yeah, like ten ten is one of those games where I think every single time you play it, you gain a new appreciation for it. Yeah, uh, it's one of the few games where I've played multiple times in 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 the franchise, and I think compared to some of the other games, like Seven has good storytelling, but like you know, there's 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 kind of deficiencies there, and you you can kind of see them like. You mentioned about Red 13, about how, you know, once he does his thing with uh, his, his father, he's like, you know, I'm going to join your mission. And that's kind of how those they, they go. Like, everyone has their kind of little story segment, and then that's it. <laughs> they they just kind of, like, fall in, and then, you know, like, Barrett has his thing, Red 13 has his thing, Sid has his thing, and then that's it. Like, um, and even 9 has that as well. Like, each of the side characters, they have their little story arc, and then they kind of just fade into the background. Whereas, whereas 10, like... It felt like more of an ensemble cast where, you know, everyone was kind of involved and was important at all times. Like, you know, like characters like Lulu and Waka did have their kind of... Apart from Kamari. Yeah. Well, he even has this thing with the wrong... But yeah, his his kind of stops. No, he's the worst. He is the worst, man. He he is the Kate Sith of 10. (laughs) (laughs) He's fucking awful, From a gameplay perspective, yeah. I don't don't know anyone who uses his Kamari at all. He's awful. You You need to level him to fight his brother. Because you have to horn this, uh, yeah. That whole like thing, but that's like you know, I, 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 I that style story, you know, it's it's the whole thing about bullying, right? You know, he gets picked on because he's slightly different, and, and you know, he stands up to the bullies and and kind of gets their respect at, at the end of it, and and then he obviously becomes the leader of the Ronzo in the in the second game. Um, but like, there's so many, there's so much intricacy in that game that it's it's insane. I don't think most people realize like how much, how much stuff is in that game that's hidden like i only found out a couple of years ago like after the the big um uh the operation mehen you can actually walk all the way back to luca and every single NPC has like different dialogue that re- references like what's happened and like how um because and like the the warrior monks have kind of taken over as like the police force now because it was there like a it was a political event where they basically got rid of the crusaders uh, and and the people don't trust them anymore and like it, there's just so much stuff in that game like just so yeah, much yeah, stuff yeah, yeah. like I, one of the really cool things that you that wasn't actually found on the playstation 2 version was that when you're in uh the temple right at the beginning with uh i realize we're talking about 10 now on the seven podcast so i'm really sorry <laughs> um but when you're at the when right at the beginning of the game when when titus kind of like is is thrown into into spira and he's um he's in the, he goes in the barge temple and he's like lying on the floor uh like you know what the hell's gonna happen here just before Riku comes in, there's like scrawling all over the floor, which you can't see. But when they've done the remaster, it's HD now and you can see it. And it's basically like the the mad writings of Seymour when he was kind of isolated there. He'd like written down all these scrawls on the floor, which are in Yevon language, I think. But people mm. have translated them and they they're like. There's like all these different phrases that he'd like just been plotting like for years before they went off and stuff. Like it's just so much just stuff in that game. Yeah. Including Wacker's racism as well. Yes. Which I mean, like it's like, it's, it's like um, the fact that they even, they did that. Right. And, and 
and and put it in the game and like they've actually uh, in the the kabuki show that's going on right now they've actually kind of made some tweaks to that as well which is quite oh, interesting okay. right. uh, not necessarily to like tone it down oh, okay but they made some changes to the end so they have kind of like a redemption where waka um uh gains sidris sid respect uh because of how he he changes right he he basically appreciates he accepts that he was wrong and that right. he was a racist and he tries to make amends and he ends oh. up being the person who looks after Riku oh, instead nice. of Tidus, which is interesting. Ah, that's cool. Interesting. Mm. Uh, and and the last comment I just wanted to read out was um, was one of the guys in our Discord, Fluffers. He says, Final Fantasy VII is my favourite game of all time, always, may, always will be. It made them realise how ambitious a game could be. The story and characters are iconic and the soundtrack is still unmatched to this day. One of the most important and influential games to this day. And I think we can all... I agree with Fluffers' sentiments there, to be honest with you. Oh, yeah. 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 I mean, I, yeah. I, I can't even, like, just begin to describe how much that game has affected my life or influenced my life, like, my entire life. Like, I I would have, wouldn't have met my wife without Final Fantasy VII. Like, wow. I obviously have the YouTube channel and everything and, and like, everything that, that goes around that, which has become, like, wildly successful. Um, yeah. Like most of my even even like my professional career was kind of influenced because i was i was making final fantasy related fan sites and that managed to get me a a job at a a digital marketing agency like 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 pretty much every single aspect of my life has been influenced by this game fantastic wow Wow. which is crazy yeah like like without final fantasy 7 there might not be other you know jrpgs coming to the west because you know before Seven was like the first major JRPG that you know you had to have. Before then, they were kind of a niche uh, genre only a few people played. So we might not even have JRPGs these days. There would be no Final Fantasy probably without Seven. Yeah, yeah. there's there's no there's no even saying that, that, that we mentioned it before, but the PlayStation would be the brand it was today for it as well. You know, there's there's that can even look at, but you know that we'll never know in hindsight, but. Mm. Yeah, it, it was definitely like the thing that put PlayStation on the map for sure, and and, and 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 put Nintendo. <laughs> I yeah, mean, we don't know. We never know how well Nintendo would have done if they'd had a Final Fantasy game <laughs> on the N sixty four. But yeah, well, um, guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah they've done all right since. <laughs> they've done all right, since, all right haven't they? But, they've done all. But I mean, right. the N sixty four and the GameCube were dark times for that brand. Uh, for sure. What's funny, you know, the, the, the GameCube is looked at fondly now from a retro sense. Um, I mean, like you guys that. know from in the UK, but like, um, uh, like there was a point where like Argos, huge retailer over here, basically said they were never going to sell it anymore because it wasn't it wasn't doing well enough. They basically they they just they stopped selling it. Wow! wow. And and like that's when I got mine because they they wanted to get rid of all their stock, so they cut the price to like sixty pounds. They <laughs> they just wanted to get rid. So I was wow. like, yeah, sure. I'll, I mean, I don't have one, but I'll go and get one now. <laughs> and then I just picked up a load of used gain from Blockbuster. <laughs> <laughs> Good old Blockbuster. <laughs> cool. Well, guys. Fuck, that's... Wow, that's we've done this for a long, nearly three hours. Holy shit. <laughs> um, and see, the thing is, is that, you know, like, I think... We could have gone into a lot more detail. We could have, we could, we really could have, but we've got time restraints here. But this has been great, um, and I, uh, I really appreciate having you both on. Um, Finn, first of all, give us all your socials, mate. Tell us where people can can find your channel. Uh, right, so you can find me on uh, Twitch, uh, Twitch.tv/sleepandsteal, or YouTube. I've started putting YouTube videos out now. Uh, YouTube.com/slash/sleepandsteal. Um, 
Twitter at the Deep and Steel. Basically everywhere, Deep and Steel. Deep <laughs> and Steel. Uh, yeah, go check out my YouTube stuff. I'm, I'm making videos on there now, and uh, the last one I'm pretty happy with. I got a lot of uh, good feedback, so uh, go check that out. Everyone in mind. Thank you. Good. <laughs> and Daryl, Daryl. Uh, yeah, I mean, if you just FF Union, yeah, Final Fantasy Union or FF Union, kind of anywhere, you'll you'll find us pretty easily. I, I, yeah, I hope you're pretty big. You're you're a pretty big deal, Daryl. Like you said, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you guys, uh, you you do good shit. Yeah, you do. It's uh, no, listen. All jokes aside, it's you know, Final Fantasy Union is is a as a YouTube channel I've followed for a number of years. Um, you guys do a very very good job there. Talking about a series of games that I really love. Um. So yeah, a credit to the you know credit to the community, and I think that's probably why you um you got the the ask for the previews of sixteen. So which again, not jealous of. <laughs> nope, nope, nope. <laughs> well, well, thank you. I mean, yeah. like, we, I I try my best uh, to yeah to just kind of do what I do, and as you can probably tell, I I talk a lot about stuff. I have a a mountain of weird knowledge in my brain about this franchise that has been accrued over the last twenty odd years. <laughs> uh, and I'll, I'll I'll talk to you about to anyone who'll listen. <laughs> <laughs> Fab, good stuff, excellent. Well, if that's us all, gentlemen, thank you very much. Yes, thank and, you. Um, thank you. Yeah. Uh, and and for everyone who's listening, listen, thank you very much for sticking with us. And hopefully, you um, you enjoyed the chat about the iconic Final Fantasy VII. As usual, check out the regular Pure Dead Gaming podcast on a Thursday at three o'clock. You'll get Afterlife twice a month as well, including our monthly recap episodes, which we do discussing all the news in the month. Thank you very much, and goodbye. Mm-hmm.